are now listening to Triples in Ecstasy, a production of Holosuite Media. Tune in to our live show every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is Admiral James T. Kirk of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Your presence here is an act of war. You have two minutes to surrender your crew and your vessel, or we will destroy you. Admiral Kirk, this is your opponent speaking. Do not lecture me on treaty violations as this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. In the following podcast, there will be thoughts and opinions expressed that in no way reflect your federation, this station, website, or affiliated partners. Who is this? How dare you? Who I am is not important. Listen to discretion. Yes. You cling on, bastard. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Trips. Her ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new content and new stuff, to follow the girl word no podcast has gone forth. Hello and welcome to episode 235 of Tribbles and Ecstasy. I'm your host, Midnight Shadow, and joining me in the studio tonight is... Okay, for anybody who heard that static, that was the aliens from Independence Day. We've got them in the back. I'm sorry, it just, it's, that's their way of communicating. As you can hear. <laughs> Stewdog is here. I'm here, and I'm currently contacting the Earth Defense Force from Independence to make for sure we're taken care of. Timberwolf is here. And we have also got in the studio Maria Rosso and Steve Ricosa from Star Trek Online. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, guys. It's fun to be here again. Great to have you back. Of course, we had you here a couple of months ago. Um, Maria, it was the end of June. And Steve, we had you at the beginning of July, um, which was about the time just before Agents of Yesterday launched. That would be correct. Yep. So, how have things been since then? Oh, just free and easy trying to get that console, uh, the console port out. So that was... uh, that was quite a chore. It was it was uh, it was really busy. We you know we talked right before we got uh, agents out, and then um, from the moment we got agents out, we were um, working to get bugs cleared and to get uh, through certification through Microsoft and Sony for the console release. So the uh, the short period of time you saw us at uh, STLV was uh, quite a break for us uh, compared to the workload we've been handling. Yeah. Oh, I bet. So how has the console release actually gone? Uh, it's gone very well. It's gone very smoothly. Um, the, you know, no emergency downsides that anyone's seen so far that we've been able to uh, keep everything running as Maria knocks on wood. Um, so that was fantastic. It's kind of proof that uh, the time we put into the, to the game to make sure it was stable um, worked out. Um, a lot of good uh, word of mouth from players and uh, a lot of good reception. A lot of people actually playing the game. So that's, it's great news all around for us. 
Ah, fantastic. Now, when it comes to the console, um, as was sort of noted in a couple of the previous blogs, you can't, of course, share your accounts that you've got on the PC with any of the consoles, can you? Because they're all different networks. That's correct. Um, have you had any problems with customers trying to do that at all? Uh, no, it's not, it's not like there's a path that shows them, you know, early steps on how to do that. Um, it's a question that comes up um, often enough, but it's not something um, that people are having problems with, I don't think. Okay, well, that's good. Um, so, when it comes to the console, you've, of course, started off um, with... Um, we're not at the same stage that you're at with the PC. Um how soon are you looking to get sort of future updates towards the consoles to sort of get it more up to date with sort of the release of the PC? So um, our first major patch is going to have, um, you know, some good updates and general cleanup and features and based off of what people said. And, and then um, in relative short order, our goal is to get a lot of our systems um, into the console versions of the game that didn't ship, things like duty officers and fleet progression and things like that. Um, but uh, our schedule is um, surprisingly quick for trying to get everything in so that way they're as current as possible. Um, probably, maybe, I don't know, maybe not as fast as, as most people would say, but uh, pretty darn quick um, for what we can actually bust out and get, and get into the consoles. That's good. Um, one of the things I remember seeing in some of my Facebook chats is people who had been trying out the console version. Um, and some people have been mentioning regarding the numbers of people you can get in some of the um, shards. So in some of the deep space um, missions, um, there have been an awful lot of people in those matches. Do you know what the limits are um, compared to the limits that you have on the PC? Because I know for a lot of these encounters, you can only have sort of like 10 people in there or something. Uh, should be identical. Everything should be identical between the two platforms. Yeah. The three platforms. <laughs> <laughs> because, um, yeah, I'd actually got reports that there were sort of think there's a mention about 30 odd players in one of these um shards and that sounds course, like a that sounds like a map manager config issue they said it was an awful lot of fun because as the number of players increases the amount of enemies increased so um they were saying it was just absolute mental just <laughs> and enemy ships everywhere just beams <laughs> and they said it was a lot of fun it does sound fun but we are going to have to look at that. Thanks for letting us know. Uh, um, but yeah, it, it did sound a lot of fun. Um, one of the things that I had also noticed when it came to the Xbox was there's some complaints regarding people having to sub towards, um, I think it's gold membership for Xbox. Yep. Um, are you able to shed any light about what's happening with that? Because, of course, um, Star Trek Online has always been... Um, or has been now for a while free to play. Um, that's a uh, that's a platform requirement, so uh, we don't have a say on that. Okay. Um, yeah. Do you think that might change? Is that saying you're in discussions with Microsoft with? Um, we've had discussions with them before. 
Um, it's their policy whether or not they want to change it. I, I don't know if that's going to be changing anytime soon. Okay. Now, you've actually been showing off the console version at a lot of the conventions recently, and the most recent was Star Trek Mission New York. How did that go? Because I know getting set up was a bit of a challenge. <laughs> um, I do remember some photos of Maria just sleeping on the job. Take, you could take those any day of the week, though. I mean, it's not like... <laughs> that by itself but it's hard work breaking things it is no it was uh, it was tough but it was mainly the situation you know the we got there to set up and the tvs weren't set up yet so obviously we couldn't see anything that was going on and then we got the tv set up uh that you you know the union guys had it set up and um there was no internet yeah there was no internet for quite some time and then we had uh yeah some uh, some issues with the IP addresses that we had, and so um, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that y'all don't have to worry a lot. about. But yeah. I mean, I will admit, it was basically 15 minutes before the show actually opened. We had our first successful test, and it worked for the entire show, all three days. So it oh, worked. Fantastic. But yeah, it was yeah. it was literally pulling a Scotty 15 minutes before this actually worked. Hooray! <laughs> So how did people take to the consoles? Because um, I did hear of some people who were just absolutely awful um, naming Elijah from Priority One. I think if you are coming to it as somebody who plays on the PC, um, if you're more of like a power gamer and you are into min-maxing and into uh, micromanaging, uh, you probably are not going to enjoy the console quite as much. Um, like that's the, I think that it's actually quite easy to play as long as you don't have the PC base of experience kind of holding you back, right? Because if you haven't played the PC, you're never going to go, oh, I can't do this or I can't do that. You won't, it's not a thing. Um, so I tend to be more like I have a mouse with 12 thumb buttons, you know, like I'm all about that. And so I, I had to kind of try and empty my mind completely not too hard and um and then basically look at it as though it was a new game Uh, and people coming in with console experience you've got those you know that muscle memory um those people you know were easier to pick up we had a lot of people that came to the booth that you know never played games before and we're performing well and you know it's tough to sit down in a you know 10 or 15 minute demo and uh and come away and be like oh i mastered that so um but you know they feel like they saw the fun and just downloaded for free and they're able to uh, dive in there and play so um yeah it was uh, new york was great new york yeah. was great ah wonderful Had a good, now, food. good a lot of good food <laughs> now still on the same topic of conventions um I know, um, Steve, you've actually been to quite a few of them because I know the rest of um, Star Trek Online have only been to Vegas and Mission New York, but you've been to Germany a couple of times this year. With Destination Star Trek Europe coming up, do you think there's any chance that you might be heading out to Birmingham? Uh, I don't think so at this time. I'd have to check with Perfect World. They uh, they handle the uh, travel accommodations, but at this time I don't think so. Okay. It would be fun, though. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm still hoping to go, although, yeah, Destination Star Trek are not the best for communication. Um, If people thought um, 
creation was bad. <laughs> yeah, destinations uh, are an awful lot worse. <laughs> Some people have um, complained with Agents of Yesterday regarding the amount of content when it's been launched as an expansion. Now, one thing that I've said on other shows is that the console launch and all the lighting changes and everything else was actually part of that. Am I right in saying that, or is there other content to come? Um, are you able to um, expand on that at all? Uh, so the console lighting didn't go with um, Agents of Yesterday. That's coming in the next release. Um, Agents had um, as much episodic content as Delta Rising. Um, you have the intro uh, missions that take you through the original series era, and then you had another uh, four or five missions that take you through the rest of the story arc through the rest of the game. We had the temporal recruitment. Um, we had the, uh, the reputation. There was, uh, there was quite a bit in, in that expansion, and of course the whole new player experience. Yeah, yeah I, I think uh, it, it may not have felt like as much because it wasn't all in one lump, whereas Delta Rising was, uh, you know, it started at 50, and all of it happened between 50 and 60. Uh, with Agents of Yesterday, it starts at the beginning and goes for a little, and then we interspersed some of the other bits because, you know, we didn't want to um, make this just for creating new characters. We wanted to give players to, something to do with their existing captains. Yeah, because um, with this um, release, you've also got stuff for existing characters, which are the same, some of the same missions, but they're in different places as well. Mm-hmm. So, when it came to doing those missions where they are in a different place in the journal, um, did you have to create new tech to deal with that at all? Absolutely. That was actually... It looks pretty cool, but man, oh man, that was not easy. We definitely had to come up with new tech for that. Okay. Because, um, yeah, it's just, as you said, so for a lot of people, they sort of create a new um, character that's starting off further in the past than what we've done from starting in 2409. And they've sort of, I know, especially with sort of when reading a lot of stuff in the forums, it's just like, well, how can this be an expansion? And it's just like, well, it wasn't just that. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, thanks for helping clear some of that up. Um, the last question that I've actually got for you guys is um, Star Trek timelines for the mobiles have actually been sort of quite successful by the looks of things. Um, have you guys, now you've got Agents of Yesterday apps, have you guys thought a bit more about doing some apps for um, mobiles and tablets to link in with Star Trek at all? Um, no, we've been focusing on uh, our PC updates and uh, getting console out and then our console updates as well. Okay. Do you think it might be something that you'll revisit at some point? Um, it's possible, but in the in the uh, interim, we're definitely focused on uh, PC and console development. That's understandable. Yeah, it would, it, I mean, that's the people who work here. That's what they know, right? We hire yeah. people that that make a certain type of game, and so we'd have to build up a new infrastructure and all that sort of thing. So. It's it you know, and the timelines guys are doing a great job. So do we really want to muscle in on them? 
Now, Sunseal, you had some questions. I did? Yes, 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 I did. Okay. So I, I guess this would I guess this would be to, to the both of you maybe. Mm-hmm. Do you find that the console releases somewhat split the Stow Dev team? That there's always been this talk about things being in development and us seeing products that have been worked on for months and months and months ago, and we're just now talking about it because it's just now coming out for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here we have a console version that will require just as much active development time, if not more, than the PC version. Are you worried that there might that you guys might actually be biting off more than you could chew now that you've actually dealt with the hassles of just getting Stowe on the console? Um, I don't think so. Um, we've seen our compatriots on Neverwinter handle it, where um, we're increasing our team size to account for any overhead that we have from um, handling multiple platforms and getting through certifications. But for the most part, um, we do what we've been doing for the last almost seven years and then um, just with console in mind, just making sure, oh, we come up with a new mechanic or a new event, everything works well with a controller. But we don't have, right now we have a separate team that handled all the conversions and are continuing to do that. But uh, no, we should be able to handle without a problem um, just continuing to develop because it's going to get to the point eventually where, you know, it's only a few weeks in between a PC launch of a major release and then the console launch of that major release. Fair enough. Doodok, you've got a question. Yes. um, I was wondering about PvP in-game, if there was any possibilities of adding new maps and mechanics for it. Uh, so we've been we've been talking about uh, future planning for 2017 and beyond, and um, it's something that's come up. So it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. Excellent, excellent. Especially with the console being brought into it, it's something that new players would like to see on console. Oh yeah. Timberwolf, did you want to take one of the questions from the community? And I'm not going to pronounce this name properly. Koda Kikuna. Good lord. Too many syllables. <laughs> anyway, his first it's, question. It's, it's, it's Kodachi Kuno. Okay, there you go. It's sunset. Um, his question would be: Any plans to make more use out of the 23rd century maps and assets currently in the game? Uh, go ahead. I was gonna say uh, my biggest plan for those is getting them into Foundry author hands as soon as I can, because. Um, they do amazing things. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure the boss has a better answer. Um, yeah, in general, absolutely you want to make use of them, right? That's a huge asset library that we didn't have access to before. And um, we've already talked about ways that we can integrate them into future episodes or story arcs so that way we can get them out there again. Do you think there'll ever be a way to allow 23rd century characters to return back at all through some sort of mechanism? It's something that's come up and that uh, that we've talked about. So, again, not out of the realm of possibility. Okay. Cool. Dunseal, you want to ask another question? Sure. Okay. So, 
there, we've had we've had this discussion with several devs at several points about the console version coming out, and, and we've we've there, there's been this talk about how do we get the console players the older event ships because we're not really doing those events anymore. And I've had this I've had this idea for quite a long time uh, for for starting with the PC players and this could actually be applied to console players as well could we have an ancestors eve event and uh, uh, it for those of for 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 everybody listening who doesn't know ancestors eve was a a holiday that was started by neelix um, in the episode 1159 that dealt with Jane and the millennium game I remember you asking me this last time I was on. Yes, but I wanted to bring it up with Mr. Mercosa sitting here. Yeah, but do you remember my answer was that we already had a plan for this? No, <laughs> because you didn't say that. You oh, I'm look into it. I, I was sure. No, I we know I we have a plan for for uh, for older things. It just I don't we can look into something called Ancestors Eve, but that is not our plan. Okay. All right. See, you don't even need me here. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we do because you're the only reason all the stuff got fixed. <laughs> That's fair. Sea dog. Yes. Uh, thank you, Midnight. Yes. Um. So, what I've been noticing with each incoming season is that the PVE, PVE queue gets longer and longer, with a lot of the older ones seeming to flag down and be rarely played. Had you considered the idea of retiring some of them and or condensing them into missions to add into certain arcs, e.g. adding some of the Undine queues into the Undine arc or some of the Borg ones and combining them into a mission? Uh, we've got a plan for what we want to do uh, with the large number of queues that we've talked about. Um, I think it'll be something that gets people into some of those lesser played queues as they become a little bit older and you've got the newer ones out. Um, so I think um, I think that would be popular. So I don't want to get into details or timing, but it, it should be cool and, and give people a good opportunity to play something they haven't played in a long time and uh, get some good rewards. I hear that what you're asking us to do is to get rid of them. So I'm making that note. Yeah, too much content, erase cues. Yep. Uh, Everyone can thank Tribbles and Ecstasy. No, I tease you. So if it happens, we all know that we blame Stewdog. Exactly. (laughs) Always blame Stewdog, it's always my fault. (laughs) Control A, delete. Thanks. Timbo, yes. Yes, sir. Um, and this actually surprisingly comes from my buddy Darkblade JK. Um, you released a starship that he absolutely adores, but you released it on piece on a console recently, and that is the Keldon class, uh-huh. the, the lot box on there. And is there his question is is there any potential date in mind when that those the assets of that lockbox will be available and distributed on PC and thoughts on what that rollout might look like. Uh, yes, there is a date for that, and there is an idea for what that will look like. 
Okay. We're not but sharing he can't either. Tell us. <laughs> no. See, I would usually just stay silent, but Maria's just gonna straight up. Yes, we have a we have a plan. We actually know exactly when that's gonna go. Okay. And how? And it will be not as soon as you want ever, because we just like to tease people. Not really. <laughs> so it'll only come to us after Christmas, got it. <laughs> I actually I don't even remember the timing, so I do. Oh. This guy breathes calendar. I have to. Yeah, somebody does. Okay, so here's a here's a question from Galat. What is your dream feature that you would love to have put in the game but can't? But can't? Yeah. Something that is mechanically impossible for you right now to put into the game, but you would love to have in game. Um, um, I don't know if there's anything mechanically impossible, right? I mean, if we uh, if we invest the time, I have I have faith that our uh, software people can put anything into the game. Um, it's all about timing. Um, I know for one that I've wanted to get. You know, some sort of exploration system into the game. We've, you know, talked about how we have whiteboard designs for it and something that we'd love to implement. Um, but it's fairly complex. Um, so that's something I'd love to see uh, for sure. Yeah. I think... Oh, sorry. Come on, I was going to say realistic, realistic travel times. Wow. Okay. So it takes us... Three days to go from Seoul to the Klingon homeworld. Okay, got it. Three days? No, it's three days to Vulcan, I think. Yeah, you're dreaming. I think it's <laughs> going to be like years. I mean, that's why they're called light years, right? Mm. It's several light years. Mm. So. And then in order to make your ship go faster, you have to actually shovel your dilithium into your warp core. And or, and or shovel your crew in. Yeah, That's one or the it. other. It's, it's duty done. officers and and refined game, lithium. It's, it's over. They're, they're, yeah, it's over. It's, it's getting boring. So triples and ecstasy were forced Doom. us to delete all our cues and Doom. give us realistic travel times. I, I, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You know what? It's the end of a long week for us. So it is. It is my apologies for my. Oh yeah, no. I I thought I thought we were relatively short on news this week, and then I looked at all the console news and went, "Well, that's where that's where all the news went." Hey, <laughs> Doc. You got another question? Okay. Well, I'm going to bring up a question which comes from a Mister Babahotep from our feedback. Great and. It's on the exploratory system. Is there any plans to bring back a new exploration system in game, and how would it be different from the old one, which was removed a few years ago? Um, so I mentioned that we had whiteboard designs for it. It's something that is important to the team, and we definitely want to do. Um, we have a design doc, but I wouldn't want to get into details just in case things change. But um, it would definitely be different from the previous one. It would be more of a system and less just kind of flying around and, you know, and it wouldn't collecting be stuff. Probably generated by some algorithm. Yeah. Which is what a lot of that other older. It would be. It would be more hand generated. Right. <laughs> um. Yes, sir. And. Um, Chozo Elder the Second, because we were actually talking about his name before we started, so I figured I'd bring him up. The summer ships used to be 
of a Rhysian theme, and now we've seen a Ferengian and Vorgon ship as far as what our event ship's been. But yep. with the winter event, it has always been Breen. It's been Breen now for four years. Have there been any thoughts of mixing it up a little for the winter event ships? Uh, we have thought about it. We have thought about it. Um, but the, the Breen offers such a good cold theme. Um, we may shift at some point, but uh, no guarantees. Okay. I can't wait for my Snowspeeder starship. Oh, wait. Wrong franchise. Just a bit. <laughs> I'm still waiting for ground vehicles. That would be nice. You want a speeder. I want to run around in an Argo on on the the, the, the planet of galactic peace. You want to you wanna pop by Tashi Station and get some power converters for your speeder? Oh, God. <laughs> no, but I would like to go to the antenna array rather quickly than having uh, to run, like, through a Gorn Canyon. We talked about it for a little while. Mm-hmm. We talked about doing that. It's specifically on the Nimbus map. But, um, Maybe something for the next summer event. A new island that you can drive around, have okay. races. Like dune buggies. Yeah, dune, yeah. dune yeah. buggies with uh, paintball machine guns on there, and you—that's that's the event for fifteen minutes. Oh my! Like the well, like the wasn't the Argo basically a dune buggy? Yeah, it was a dune buggy, and it had a some sort of photon cannon on the back. It was it was it was a dune buggy that had its own shuttlecraft. For Christ's sakes! Yeah, that was pretty neat. Yeah, that'd be cool if you had to team up with somebody else for the summer event to do it. You had to race against other people. One person was driving, one person was actually firing the weapon. <laughs> yeah, and it could have music like da 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 So so speaking of events, this is this is actually something I saw years ago, I think at this point, just as y'all introduced Nimbus. And and it was a question of you guys keep bringing out hearts and minds for Friday the Thirteenth and the Halloween content. And what would it be like if you guys created a special event for Nimbus itself uh, for Halloween, such as a a solar eclipse on Nimbus, just for just for like Halloween, and it, it increases the level and. Uh, the level of and drops by the enemies on the planet. I mean, that would be cool. Yeah, if we wanted to do some sort of event like that, that would definitely be neat. Did you got another question? Yes. Uh, my next question comes from Master of Mid Galicia. Ooh. It's regarding how fast will features, ships, and other in-game content be added onto the consoles, and how would this affect the delivery of content on the PC? Uh, The goal is to, over the catch-up phase, it'll be pretty quick, but um, when it comes to the standard release cadence, it'll be... um, It'll be kind of similar to how Neverwinter runs it, where it comes out on PC first, and then about, you know, four to six weeks later, it's live on console with the same update. So um, it's not like we'd be making special content for either platform. We're making one game that everyone's playing, um, just in separate environments. Now, I'm just conscious of time for you, um, Steve. Um, Because I know you said that you need to head out shortly. Um, 
is there anything that you would like to ask us? Uh, no, you asked us, you had some pretty good ideas. Is there any, uh, any other questions about console or about agents or anything else moving forward that I can give cryptic answers about? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, season 12. Does it yes. involve the Gorn? Uh, no, it does not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ish. They're doing all sorts of things, but it's going to be off camera. I mean, right. it would be it would be really nice to go back to that whole the Gorn are supposed to be having a civil war thing, like like was talked about years ago. That would be very cool. Yeah, it would be it would be both a way to to have a, a new kind of storyline and also give the Klingons a little bit of love. They're not Klingons though. I don't know if you noticed. They're yeah, like they, lizard people. They're a conquered they, people. But they are part of the Klingon Defense Force. Oh yes, but let's let's be specific here because there are in fact science ships that out there that are, I believe, Gorn. Mm-hmm. But the Klingons will be very quick to tell you there are no Klingon science ships. So we got it. I mean, I I understand this. It's separate but equal though with the Gorn. On the topic of Klingons and Gorn. A lot of the content we've been getting has been quite sort of Fed-centric, and I know we've got people on sort of the Tribbles team who sort of like to play Klingon and Romulans. With the future content that's actually planned, um, is there any plans to actually do more content which is more geared towards the other factions? So we've been building towards the... um the Alliance now for a while. Um, as we're working with all this future gameplay, we all know that in the Wells era, the Federation is is all is all groups. So we've been working towards that. There's currently an alliance between everyone, so um, we're still keeping kind of everyone on the same page. Okay. This would make the fourth time the Klingons have joined the Federation. And hopefully not the last. <laughs> I don't know. The Klingons are very whimsical when it comes to duty and honor. Well, I I hear you back here listening, laughing at the word duty. I'm sorry, I can't <laughs> help naughty, it. Naughty girl. I'm fifteen. Oh <laughs> dear. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us again, um, Steve. I do appreciate it. Pleasure to be on. Get out, boss. Get yeah, it's always you. great to hear you when <laughs> Ray hasn't broken things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'll uh, I'll leave you in her capable hands. Uh, I look forward to next time. Wonderful. Take care. I didn't Thanks again. Realize she was Orion. This is new. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, he's left the room. Don't you say anything about me. <laughs> <laughs> No, he knows I he should will. just I should just change the all the sound settings now and get it working better. <laughs> I'll break it completely. Well, again, in fact. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, it was working and then it wasn't. Who knows? Okay, uh just before we go any further, I, I have to take a moment and say, Maria, I am so 
sorry for all those people who gave you shit about the the Microsoft Xbox Gold subscription thing for playing Snow. That was totally uncalled for. Oh, I mean, it happens. I think it just shows that people were really disappointed. Um, And I think a lot of people who don't under, like, who don't, who maybe aren't, like, as heavy into console games, I think uh, they don't realize that that's not, like, our choice. Um, so I get it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and I don't, I don't hold it against people. We all have our, our things that frustrate us, but thank you. I understand, but you didn't deserve all that. There was some nastiness in there. (laughs) Well, thank you. Oh, there went my phone. Sorry, guys. Hope that wasn't too loud. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) So I just had a computer crash for my machine that's streaming. It's not the day for technology, is it? I was going to say, it's absolutely the day for technology. Just not for it working. This is the day for Skynet taking over. It needs the bandwidth. Yeah. Uh, Just typical. Just like... uh. But we've got backup recording, so we can. <laughs> I'll get the streams back up and running shortly. Just don't merge them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but see, when you cross the streams, they become more powerful. They don't destroy the universe, Egon. <laughs> right, well, while I try to get the streams back up, Sunseal, did you want to take the next question from the community? Uh. Sure. Okay, so Chozo Elder Second asks, could we have some way of acquiring the twenty-third century or yeah, the twenty-third century versions of Boff powers? And could we also have a purple or very rare quality twenty-third or twenty-third century du- uh, bridge officers themselves? Um, the I know this was my powers, frustration. Um, I will say soon. Okay, because I, I know this was my biggest frustration because when you go to the little the, the little cute shroom of 23rd century space dock, um, the, the bridge officer guys, they're selling the 23rd century powers, but there's no bank. And so I go through the tutorial and guess where I can't go back to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt cheated. Yeah, it, there is there is something in in the works that you will have soon. Okie dokie. I won't I won't say more about but but soon. Welcome to the Temporal Cold War, everybody. Anything's possible now, mm-hmm. in, in, including undoing what we did to stop the Iconian War. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think about that. Boss made a really interesting sculpture out of an eraser and some paper clips. Uh, okay. It sounds like a good use of the stationary budget. Well, it was here. On the other hand, I folded a Ferengi Marauder origami. That does sound pretty cool. Well, you have to post a picture of it on on your, your, your tweeters and whatnots, right? Sure, I'll do that, that right now. Let's see if I can get this. Oh, it's a bit rubbish. Okay. 
It turns out I don't think I can actually talk while I'm taking pictures. Who knew? I don't, I don't think we can talk with Midnight not being here. <laughs> That's oh. multitasking. <laughs> oh, I'll talk for you then. We'll tell we'll tell stories. Like, well, I, w- I was thinking that um, our stream was like dead. Our stream kind of it is, is dead. I'm just reviving it now. Okay. Cool. The stream Midnight's- is dead, but we're not dead. Midnight's in sickbay doing CPR. He, I think come on, he's got to be like dead. he's a miracle worker. Be Scotty for us. The problem is, is I like to have secure passwords, except that it's usually very secure, like 45 characters long, so when you keep having to type things in to launch stuff, it takes a bit of time. It's key pass, let me... Re- oh, oh my god. So, 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 Steve, you're, you're, you're literally, you're literally Data when he goes to meet his creator. It's like that really long Picard code meant to keep everybody from being able to access navigation while data is fixed on going to sea soon. Yeah. Well, I can't preach for people to use very strong passwords and not do it myself. And for people who then say, oh, it's always too long. I can say, well, mine is 45 characters long and it's alphanumeric and has special characters. So never too long. (laughs) No, but you just need to get key pass and then you just need one password that you know. And then everything else, key pass will do for you and copy and paste and it's magical. Oh yeah, I, I use KeyPass at work and home. So, but this is my main Windows login. Mm, mm-hmm. So yeah. you can't use KeyPass because. <laughs> nope. Nope. I just find that um, my passwords are so secure that no one can get into anything, not even me. Mm-hmm. This well, is why yeah. he keeps a notepad. <laughs> well, just to um, say a bit about what I do as well is everything I sign up to has its own email address as well. So, uh... <laughs> see, see the, you know, we all make fun of him for the amount of characters he's got. Yeah, he has that same logic when it comes to signing up for stuff and email addresses. Hmm. I have, I think the last count was 220-something email addresses. Show up. <laughs> Well, it becomes like a problem three. when each one has a different password as well. Seedog, <laughs> did you want to take another question from the community? Yes, I, I did. Um, I've got a question from Abahutep, and I've just lost everything on my computer. Um, he was wondering about foundry missions and making some of them official parts of the game or to have them as a a standalone mission in some places. I guess kind of like the the hearts and minds. Um, we have talked about doing that, but ultimately it would mean basically removing any credit, if you will, to the authors. Uh, I mean, everyone I think knows that I absolutely love the Foundry and I want to see it succeed and I love that we can let people make their own stories and so on but I I wouldn't I, I don't think I'd like to see that you know see because then it becomes like us who get the credit for it which I don't yes, like and um, and the 
the author wouldn't get the the tip that they would get. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I, I'm quite an advocate for the foundry myself. I think it's an amazing outlet for people who want to create their own stories to do so. Yeah, um, I'm pretty pretty excited about some of the new stuff I've been trying to do uh, for everyone. It's like the problem is it's so much more work than people would think. <laughs> it, it's, it's like the testing everything is, is quite a pain. And you're still doing this all on your own time too, aren't you? Well, I do it, you know, uh, when I can. So sometimes that is during my normal work day, but generally my normal other tasks uh, take enough time that I don't have. Uh, so basically um, we have to just be thankful that I don't have a very robust social life. <laughs> also, by the way, that, uh, that Ferengi Marauder, nice. Kind of kind of looks... I'm an art critic, so it kind of looks like a, a Bordescu uh, head shoved on a, a bird of prey on bird of prey wings, but that's just me. Yeah, it, it actually it gets to have way too many layers of paper in some uh, some areas, and making it difficult to fold. But uh, I can't take the credit for the creation; it's just my execution. The the it comes from the Star Trek Paper Universe Origami book. It's pretty cool, and I've shared it in the uh, Twitch feed so people can go and see it. You do know that Maria had already shared that. I didn't. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> it's good to know that you're paying attention. They, people may have just tuned in and missed it. <laughs> so true. This we is are true. Now back because we, we are live again. People may actually be coming to the show thinking we're just now starting. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's it's cool. I'll just I'll just face the fact that I'm an absolute idiot, and you might as well just call me Slow Dog. No, 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 no. Oh, we wouldn't uh, call you Slow Dog. We call you Smooth Dog. <laughs> smooth Dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of the other questions we've got from the community. Um, Mark Hawkman has asked, "When will we ever get to play as the Dominion?" Um. You can in the hmm. alien gen, sort of. Sources hazy. Check back later. <laughs> Maria's magic eight ball. It is indeed. But yeah, you you can sort of finagle alien gen into being Jim Hadar and Vorta. So, and and, and founder ish too. Just just not like one hundred percent. I think. Though, I think, okay, so I'm going to get this question out of the way because it's a question I specifically want to ask. Like, Bubba Hotep asked this, but I was like, I have to ask this question. Will we ever have plant, like, hostile plants on planets in in episodes? Because we've got hostile wildlife itself, but we've never really seen hostile plants. Hmm. Yeah, that... That would be tricky for us. Um, I suppose it would be possible, though. 
just knowing the way our AI works and so on. Um, but that is an interesting question. I don't have an answer to it, really, other than to say that is a really neat idea. I mean, have one that we, looks like a hand in a glove. Well, or like, Character. you know, <laughs> what's that one thing and then he eats, feed me, Seymour. Little um, shop of horrors. Horrors, yeah. yeah. Feed me, Seymour. Feed me now. Can I admit, I have never actually seen that. I only oh, saw... That's fine. Did you ever see the TV show Head of the Class way back in the day? They did a version of that show on one of their shows, and that's the version I've seen. I've never heard of that show. I'm not sure if it made it across to the UK. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that one either. It had Robin Givens in it, who was at the time, I think, married to Mike Tyson. But I could be wrong. This was just a couple years ago when I was in, like, middle school. <laughs> <laughs> or high school. I don't remember which. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking of, of what you could do with, with some kind of hostile plant. And you're like, okay, so it's a plant that has, like, hallucinogenic properties. So it kind of makes copies of itself. Like, we can have some of the, um, some of the NPCs can do by p- plopping down the little holograms and they can make copies of themselves. This would be, like, spores going up in the air and you would see two or three different versions of it. Ooh, like that one bad guy from that Batman. Yeah, something like that. And then we have have the founder animations where the founder can actually, like, turn their arms into spikes. So you could have something like that coming up out of the ground to grab your leg instead of grabbing somebody's neck and choking them in the air. Well, Pastor Beamer um, made an interesting comment in our Twitch chat that said you could redress the sandworms. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, it's it's actually it's difficult for us to get things to stay still, like to not like run after you. But yeah, that's that's what occurred to me is that that's basically what our worms do. Still, though, it would it would actually be it would also be interesting to to see the hollow worms and the sandworms and whatever worm you want to call it actually kind of go after people like graboids, <laughs> like tremors. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. The, the graboids yeah. from tremors. I haven't seen the show in years. Haven't seen tremors. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've seen that like twenty years ago. It's 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 okay, Maria. We 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 just gotta get together with you and Mr. Ricosa, and and we're, we'll have a we'll have a geek tonight to fill you in on all this nerdness. He's probably seen it all. He's certified that's, nerd. That's, that's that's why I said with Mr. Ricosa. I'm a nerd in different ways. You want to ask me about Jane Austen or the Brontes? We'll wrestle. You're the book nerd, okay? Yeah. So, that interview with the vampire. No, I... (laughs) (laughs) Stu Dog, do you want to take the next question? (laughs) Yes, um, I'm going to bring up the next question from Baba Hotep. Uh, He talks about what is the possibility of getting the, the abilities to cross-faction on certain maps. So, 
if you had a Klingon character, you could go and visit Admiral Quinn at ESD. Or if you were Starfleet, you could, you know, just pop into the Great Hall and go and see Jim Park. Well, those two specific examples don't really fit so well in the world, if you will, because of the way the experience works, right? Like, if you start out the game today and you're a new player, you're in 2409, there's a war with the Klingons, you end up back after you've got command of your ship and you're in Earth space dock, and then, wait, what's that guy doing? You guys, hold on. I think the enemy's invading Earth space dock. There's Klingons here, right? So it doesn't really work that well for that reason. However, uh, having you uh, be able to like team up and all that sort of thing. It's something that we have talked about. I mean, it's not on any current schedule that I know of, uh, but it's not like it's something we've said. Absolutely not. So, you know, everything may be possible. Yeah. Everything is possible, right? Unless it's not. Anything is possible, but not everything is beneficial. Yeah. Or probable. Yes, in the Twitch chat, Axe Federatica mentions cross-faction fleets. I really would love that, but um, it is uh, quite a uh, undertaking on the programming side. You just merge the Klingon fleet and the Federation fleet together into a temporal fleet. So it's a it's a uh, Starbase from the future. Mm-hmm. That way it's neither Fed nor Klingon. It's a mixture of all of that and Romulan and a bag of chips. Temporal lights. Ooh, I've angered someone in Twitch chat. Swearing <laughs> at me now. Wait, Peyton's yeah. a swear word? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I speak English as well as American. Well, the Unknown Zero has said, um, how are the Klingons allowed at Riser or Deep Space Nine as it's the same thing? No, they didn't say it's the same thing. True. <laughs> there were some naughty curse words in there. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, we do have maps that are cross-faction, so how is it, how different is it in the setup that things like um, Earthspace Dock and Kronos are different? Well, fictionally huge, uh, if, you know, like Earthspace Dock and, and, and Kronos are their, like, headquarters, you know. Yeah. The, the Justice the Justice League aren't going to be in the Legion of Doom. Uh, probably mixing metaphors there because I don't but, actually but know superheroes. Very but but the war's over. So why does except it, why does that, that it's not over if you are before a certain time period? See, this is why it was silly to have a war in the first place. <laughs> well, yeah, all wars are silly, but they are a fact of life. Sadly. I wasn't talking about the war being silly. I was talking about, like, starting off with a war just to have all the story fold into one big hug fest. Because mm. you're kind of... 
you're locking out the exploration of all this stuff outside of very specific episodes. Uh, yeah, the thing is, is especially when it comes to Star Trek, you do sort of see, even in the TV series, that they're about how sort of people are trying to sort of get together within the Federation. Um, and on a game side of things, you've usually got the red versus blue. Mm-hmm. So I can see why it's all been done. But uh, yeah, it'd be nice if there was some tech that would say once you hit a particular level, it would allow you to access other areas sort of thing as a sort of an unlock. Because thing is, there, isn't there that sort of tech in the Romulan side when it comes to like the flotilla and, um, but, and so New Romulus? Pax has given the precise answer that I was, uh, the point I was trying to make, which is that if you have not yet played Surface Tension, you are it at war. It has nothing to do whether other players have played it. So if other players have played that, and they are allowed to go to a social area uh, it, it, for players who have not played that, that breaks the fiction. And I realize that maybe it, it may seem uh, pedantic or, or, or silly for some people, but we, the, you know, the line must be drawn somewhere and we've drawn it there, right? We yeah. have said you can't go to your enemy's bases, you, you know, like, and yes, that does mean that later on when a particular player um, has passed a certain point, it might make sense for them to be able to do this. But given that it's a multiplayer game, it would be at the cost of the experience, the play experience for someone else. Uh, and so, you know, we, we, we try and, fudge the lines a lot uh, because it is a game and we understand that, you know, there's the willing suspension of disbelief. Um, but at the same time, you know, we do, we do also want to, to recognize that uh, role-playing itself is important for uh, some people and maintaining that distinction and having the separate home world. I mean, if you think about this, if, if, if you know how the story goes and you are in your own headcanon, you can choose to never play surface tension and never end the war and live in that time period. And you, you would be successful in doing so. Mm. Yeah. Well, see, Alex, this is, well, this is also why we, we used to have the, the sector locks as well. Right. But we don't have that anymore because we have the whole Galaxy One type thing going on. Well, because we tried to listen to feedback. Well, and, and to, a, to an extent that it's, it's a complex issue. I think my biggest question is, when are the Federation players going to the planet Orion to um, stop some devious future plot? And they have to involve the Orion Syndicate, which is part of the KDF. Yeah, who knows? Around, I, I imagine the Federation players will be looking for a diplomatic solution. 
because uh, because at this point we've got two Federation-owned things that Klingon players can be on, but we don't have a whole lot of Klingon stuff or or or, or Klingon-allied stuff that Federation players can be on. True. You see, guys? You see, guys? I'm trying to involve the Federation in Klingon content. <laughs> Stoodog, do you have a question from the community that you'd like to ask? Yes, I wanted to bring up a question from Indie Shark. So, Indie Shark's asking about if there are any plans to update DOF missions. I'm guessing to add more new ones into the mix. Uh, ones that drop slightly different rewards. I mean, we've we've done that pretty regularly, um, and we don't have any plans to discontinue doing so. So, yeah, I mean, are we going to ever see a, an influx of new duty officer missions on the scale of the original ones? Um, probably not, right? But we'll continue to add them... Um, as we add new areas and and um, new lockboxes, yep. Yeah, so um, like sector or quadrant specific DOF missions, right? I think one of my favorite quirky ones in there was an attack on a fe- uh, Klingon facility by the Federation, and it involved sending lots of tribbles into a food manufactory. <laughs> I always liked the one that was investigate entertainment. Let's see. I will never get the title right, but it's like in, investigate entertainment possibilities for um, reptile secretions or something, which is basically like, let's see if people can get high by licking toads. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe this was a really weird dream I had, but I'm pretty sure that's one of them. And then, of course, of course, the amazingly named and since renamed Investigate Reports of Klingon Intelligence. That was a good one. What was it renamed to? I don't know. No clue. It's not it wasn't, it? it's not about like, it, it, it's probably just called Klingon intelligence reports now or something, but which is what the, the thrust of the mission was, but it was kind of unfortunately titled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I, I have a question about the duty officer system, but maybe this is better asked to the duty officer people. Why are 90% of the diplomatic missions around Bajor now? <laughs> I don't know. That is a really good. Uh, that is a really good question. Even when you had the the sector lock offs, the biggest source of your diplomatic missions were in Cardassian and Bajoran. You know those sectors of space. Huh. Who knows? That is a good one. That that'll be when you'll have to ask one of the content guys when you get them on. Um, some of the comments from chat, um, you've got Alex Wonder who mentions about, um, and Sybil, who are talking about going back to New Romulus and the development of them and even an undercity for um, the Remans. Um, has 
Do you think there'll be any plans that we could maybe sort of revisit some of their developments again? Uh, I'm sure it's something we've discussed, but I don't know um, uh, of any concrete plans. Because I know sort of Romulus has tended to get the short end of the stick, shall we say, when it comes to some of these missions with uh, being taken over by the Borg and destroyed again. <laughs> yeah. They haven't had an easy lot, huh? <laughs> no. It's almost like the Klingons, isn't it? A new threat shows up, they want to destroy Kronos. But then, to be fair, they tried to hit ESD and Earth as well. Yeah. yeah, but those were distractions. They, in fact, did destroy ESD. Like, that happened. Again, distraction. And you had then the Klingons basically saving the day with the Iconians in, um, oh, House Peg. Be, be careful of spoilers for the people on console. Oh. <laughs> Whatever. Well, that, in- that information's out there. If they've been listening to the podcast, then we've been talking about this stuff for a long time. <laughs> so, yeah, we we can't sort of keep going. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, you know. But it's going to be the same for anyone who's just joined the game anyway. You can never not talk about the content for fear of that someone's just joined and might hear. At the end of the day, if people are listening to a podcast, they're listening to information about what's been going on, um, no matter what level they're at. Do you hear that, Chozo Elder Second? Do you hear? <laughs> hear and comprehend. <laughs> I got I got crap for that last week. <laughs> D Dog, do you have a question? D Dog? We yeah, have sorry, my, oh. my screens just went all mental on me again. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm I'm having technical issues at my end. So there was a another question from Mustrum Ridkali Zero and mm. I think this is a brilliant one. He's asking if he can have a yellow science vessel submarine for summer 2017 to add to his collection of Ryzen ships. Ooh. That's a good reference. I had that as a 45 when I was a kid. Those are, that's a records term, guys. You, you, you know what I'd call it? Starting. <laughs> I'd call it like Daydream Believer or something. Really kind of thumb in my nose at uh, people. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. The um, USS Walrus. The USS Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the USS Cuckoo <laughs> It wouldn't fit. It's too long. Yeah. Or if Midnight had one, you could call it Midnight Shadows Triple Club Band or something along those lines. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it'd fit across the hull. Yeah. <laughs> you could abbreviate it. Sansu, do you have another question? I'm just, I'm looking over questions that haven't been struck out after being asked. Well, while you look for questions, Maria, um, you of course went to Vegas and mm-hmm. you also went to Mission New York. 
Mm-hmm. Um, for you personally, which did you feel was best and in what ways and um, which did you enjoy the most? Um, I think for me, they were both good in different ways, but I would say um, that, I mean, it'd have to be the Las Vegas the Las Vegas convention uh, for multiple reasons. I, I've made friends over the years and it's nice to get to see them. It's like the only time I do get to see some of them. And, and then, you know, I got to meet some incredible new people and just have a fantastic time with them. And, um, like a bunch of my, my, like the, my foundry author contacts, the people who I'm like, Hey guys, can you test something for me? Or <laughs> wait till you see this. You know, I got to fight and meet a bunch of them that I hadn't met before. And that was exciting. And then also I had, uh, it's, it's just a much bigger convention. Um, that said, uh, in some ways that is what made New York, really interesting is it wasn't this established thing you didn't um you didn't uh you didn't have expectations going in for what it was going to be right like i've been to the las vegas convention a couple times before this year so i kind of knew what it would be like but new york was an unknown quantity and so it was pretty pretty interesting in that regard i think um you know, like NASA had a huge, huge booth there. And, um, and like, that was really neat. And then of course they released the, the stamps while we were there. They had a special like kickoff, um, for the, the release of the Star Trek, uh, stamps, the U S postal service stamps for those of you that are not, uh, USians. Um, but so that was neat. And then also, I mean, New New York has amazing restaurants and stuff too, and um, my aunt, my relatives are nearby. So I, on that personal level, that was nice getting to see them. But uh, they're just so different. Yeah. What about from sort of a cryptic point of view? Because I know this year you didn't actually have a store at um, Vegas. No, we um, did. Um, sorry, um, you had a stall at Vegas this year, not a panel. Um, right. So, but the space that you had, you'd only got a small area when it came to Vegas, but you had, from the looks of things, this massive area in New York. Mm-hmm. So how did, what was that like, having so much more room to play with and having this sort of huge sort of exhibit that you could show off when it came to New York compared to what you had for Vegas? Um, I think uh, it was pretty neat. It was, um, we've we've had uh, areas that size before at the European places that we've done, I think. And we've, we've had larger booth spaces at some of the game conventions that um, typically Perfect World handles all those and um they they handled the design for this one too uh, for both of them this year and um it was really great to be able to get 
so many people able to play and that sort of thing. And, and on the part of that is again, because this was the first year that they, they did this convention. And, and so this room that we were in, somebody, uh, suggested that it looked like an airplane hangar. And I, I agree. It was, it was vast. And so we had a lot more space. I mean, with, when you've got just the one room at a, at a, in a convention hall in a, in a casino in Las Vegas, there's no way that each, that any one booth is going to be able to get quite that much space. Um, I think the biggest, the biggest installation this year was the Mac booth. And, uh, I mean, that was amazing, but I've never seen any single vendor take up so much room. Uh, and so, whereas I think then is a, if anyone who was at Vegas, the NASA installation was probably at least twice as big as the, the, uh, Mac one was in Vegas. It was, it was, it was really great, but yeah, I would love it if we could have that much space every, every place we went, uh, because it was so much fun to just mm-hmm. get loads of people playing and yet yeah, still have, like, we had still had space to talk to people and, um, take pictures and have a little table with Denise Crosby next to me. It was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> She is the sweetest woman, I just have to say. But you also have to admit, having her in that Romulan wig was the creepiest thing about Sela. Just the hair did not fit Denise Crosby. Oh, I don't know. I, those shoulder pads, they weren't doing her favors. Yeah, but see, that's <laughs> part of the Romulan aesthetic. The, 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 the hair for her just for her face, did not work all that well. It was... It's really cringy. Yeah. Come on, I I love the old Romulan gear. I mean, I love that whole 1980s rock band thing that they're rocking. (laughs) I'm I'm just wondering if it was because... I suppose it was the Romulan crop, but with blonde hair, which people hadn't seen before. So I wonder if it looked a little bit more off due to that, possibly. It's possible. But you like can sort definitely of tell it was, it was kind of a wig. It felt like a wig. It felt like Donald Trump's hair. It's like, that's that doesn't look like real hair! I don't think anything looks as bad as Donald Trump's hair, does it? Denise Crosby <laughs> Sela wig? I thought that was a small cat. Anyway, Sunsteel, did you find a question you'd like to ask? Actually, I did, yes. Now I have to find it again! <laughs> God damn it! Okay. Well, while you find it again, um, Hippie John in chat has asked, can we expect any more in celebration of the 50th anniversary? Agents of Yesterday and the new ships, or the Kelvin and the original um, series stuff, um, have been great. But just wondering if we've reached the haven't been thinking big enough comments from Captain Gecko from before Agents of Yesterday. Um, really, our our Agents of Yesterday release was our huge tribute, right? Um, so, will there be more celebrating uh, the originals? Absolutely. 
Um, but I can't really say much more about it. Of course, no worries. Miss Unseal, have you found the question again? Yes, finally. <laughs> Any chance to ever fix the Romulan Reben Bridge Officer recruitment missions that have been broken for ages, placed in the known issues for months, and then removed without ever being fixed? Um, my understanding is they were fixed, but I, I, uh, I don't track the bug reports any longer. That is, um, someone else's, uh, purview now. So I, I actually don't know if, uh, the full status myself. So I know the last time I leveled up one of my low, I think it was my lower level Remen. The uh, bridge officer assignment that you know that, that grants on level up. She gave me a choice of several different Klingon characters, not Romulan characters. Yeah, I can can tell you. I was like, that's uh okay. I guess I'm going to have to go to. Uh, the market and buy Romulan bridge officers. Mm. D-Dog, have you found a question from the community you'd like to ask? Yes, uh, my next one comes up from Must Rum Rid Cully Zero again, and <laughs> it's regarding storylines that hadn't been revisited later. Uh, specifically, he asks if there's a plan to revisit the Can and Augment storyline that was alluded to but was never manifested I think the last that we saw of them was a faction dependent you visited uh, one of the members of the factions in jail in the facility 4028 yes and um, you said that you'd report to command about what he had to say to you but then nothing came up of it. Um, well, if I'm not mistaken, there was an earlier Fed mission as well, where some cl- and this may have been one of the missions that got scrubbed and, 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 and refitted, but there was an early Federation mission where you had to stop another Klingon doing hey, I want to use augment stuff as well. I feel like I remember doing something with this recently, but perhaps that was just the overhaul of um, one of the missions that we just did. Well, I guess it wasn't that recently. Um, Honestly, for every storyline we've got, have we talked about going back to it? Absolutely. Uh, Does the fact that we haven't gone back to it mean that we never will? No. It just generally is, you know, there are, like for everyone, we have only so many hours in the day in which to do things. And so uh, we have to choose what we're going to do, right? Like I wish I had so much more time to read and cook and knit and sew and then like go rock climbing. But generally in a given day, I got to make my choices. And so the same is true with our development schedule. We have to look at, um, you know, where where we are, if you will, in our story and where we want to be. And and we will architect towards that. So 
uh, if you've heard um, the boss talking about uh, about the path to agents of yesterday, I mean, we knew we were going there at least 18 months before we did, right? We knew, you know, we've got to wrap up this war. Uh, this, this whole Iconian threat has, has been really interesting, but we need closure. It's been six years, for goodness sake. And so the stories we chose to focus on, and in fact, I would say the stories we had to focus on were the ones that forwarded that plot line. And so we already have as a result of this. So we've done that with Agents of Yesterday and, and we've started things up. I mean, I we already have a, a rough idea of where we're going um, through 2017. I have some stuff on uh, rough outlines, if you will, through in 2018. Um, so it's hard to say, like, when will you do something? If, if one of our our one of our story beats, if you will, that we want to tell or touch upon it is uh, supported by something like this, then we end up getting to, to revisit it. Um, but if it's unfortunately like there's no way we can make this work, then we can't do it until we, we have, until it's going to fit, if you will, because um, we would rather tell a, a more cohesive story than have a bunch of uh, disjointed one-offs, right? Like we would, I, I feel that, uh, for instance, in the the series Enterprise, right, the first two seasons were by and large just, for lack of a better term, monster of the week, right? And they yeah. were, they were these episodic things that didn't really have an overarching story other than hey, we're doing stuff in space for the first time. Um, and we definitely do some of that, but we prefer not to. And so we have been trying to uh, play around with the sort of stuff we make, right? Maybe do we make as many episodes? Do we maybe look at making uh, more cues instead? Do we look at doing this or that? And, and you know, we we play around with the different ideas and, and we have to say like, okay, if we're going to do, um, this number of episodes and they have to lead towards this goal, right? Like the ending of the Iconium war, for instance, we know what kind of story they need to tell. And, and that will inform our decisions on, um, backdrop and participants and that sort of thing. Um, but so that's why it's very difficult to say, to answer the when questions. Like, when will you get here? When will you get there? I mean, some of them, we may know the answer and we're just not going to say in case something goes wrong because it has happened uh, multiple times that we've had to ch just change directions where we're going for one reason or another. Um, you know, like when we decide, okay, we're going to do this push for console. It's like, okay, that's great. But we're going to need to reallocate some people. So we got to change the plans that we're, we're doing and what that means or, you know, shuffle releases around or that or, or whatever. But, um, that does that answer that question? Yes. I mean, it, it certainly shows that there's pretty much a, a map of where we're going 
but we just need to see the road and you know you can adjust for any anything on the route if you see that things can be added in or expanded upon or if things are just totally irrelevant and it's like uh, there's no point in adding something at whatever time. Yeah, yeah, we we like to be able to to you know it's like w- it's when a we lot went- like Voyager at this point. You set yeah. a course for home, and along the way, you're going to stop to pick up dilithium and some super deuterium and all this kind of stuff because you still need all that stuff to function to get home. Right, it, you and need turbidos. your coffee, but um, I think. It's not a bad example. Uh, what I was going to say is actually when we did uh, Delta Quadrant, I was like, oh, my God, we got to go back to the Threshold Planet. Like, what happened to baby Janeway in Paris? Um, and we didn't. And I said, we're never going to get to do it. This was our chance. And, <laughs> and you know, Gecko is like, no, that's not true. You know, uh, and he gave me a couple of, like, plausible scenarios where we could revisit uh, in, like, in upcoming stuff. And I mean, I, it's, it's not, I, I regret to say it is not yet on the schedule because I really do want to see this episode get made, but, um, it's not ruled out, right? There are many reasons why we might go back through the Delta Quadrant for something, you know, maybe, maybe we recall Janeway found some weird technology or there's those people that she was like trying to have an affair with and then that didn't work out for her, but maybe they would be willing to help us or something like that. We could end up back there and see those people, or you know, so on and so forth. Um, alternate timeline stuff might come to come back to haunt us, or the people from the accelerated time planet might uh, suddenly appear because they've taken an interest in our temporal shenanigans. <laughs> but we have only um, explored half of the Delta Quadrant, haven't we? It's certainly not all of it. I mean, it was going to take them ages, and they only cheated to get themselves home by the end of the series. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't didn't cheat. They were taking advantage of in-game mechanics. Mm. (laughs) I think Janeway didn't read her terms of service. Uh, I think Janeway's terms of service, depending on how much coffee she'd had that day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Going a little bit off Stowe, um, the beginning of September, of course, had the actual 50th anniversary for Star Trek, the original series. Mm -hmm. So what did you do to celebrate the anniversary? Did you do anything yourself or as a team? Um, to actually celebrate it. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) We worked. Um, I I actually did, I think it was that day, uh, I wore a somewhat uh, original series-inspired outfit. Because I have this dress that I made that everybody thinks is supposed to be like the nurse outfit from... The original series so I said forget it okay I'm wearing it and I put on some of my my knee-high boots and there we go 
That's my tribute. Oh, and I wore, I wore Star Trek makeup. Oh, you know what you got from Vegas? Yeah, from Mac. Yeah, you did do something. Yeah, but honestly, it was, you know, for me that that date. It's it's in some ways it's like that date doesn't matter as much to me. It's um, it's more like really what what is awesome is the the date of the the first syndication of it you know what i mean yeah because that's when it really became this thing that was gonna last because there's a bunch of shows that have a a a a launch if you will that unfortunately don't go on to become you know 50 year legacies but things are like this too they they flop in the theaters and they gain this cult status afterwards yeah but also, I'm just—I don't know. I'm—I would say I'm—I'm I'm awkward or weird in my the way my particular fandom or fangirlishness, which is totally a word that I just make up. I'm kind of just <laughs> weird in how it works for me. Like, um, I'm just not like it's cool to meet people who've been on TV, I guess, but. I don't feel this, like, sense of awe. <laughs> and and I, it's like, because they're just, like, people. Uh, <laughs> and I, I just think, you know, like, okay, yeah, I mean, you did good. That's pretty great. But I'm just very, like, I don't know. What's the word? Muted about it? <laughs> oh, you're not the only one. I'm exactly the same. It... it- drives my wife nuts because sort of at one point sort of we've interviewed people from um, the TV series like we've spoken to Manu Interemi um, a few times um, mm-hmm. we've spoken to Armin Shimmerman um, Tony Amendola and so my wife's like how can you not be excited about this it's just like they're just people we're just talking to them <laughs> yeah like, but they've been on TV <laughs> yeah uh, well, you know, I was on TV once. I mean, true, it was the news, and I came off like an, a complete idiot, really. But there you have it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been on TV as well. Um, I got when I was in college. There's a chat show um, called Trisha. Um, think Jerry Springer, sort of thing. Oh. And um, sort of they're going around the college asking for people to be in the audience so it's just like no because i have no interest in these shows at all um i got dragged along by a friend because someone else in my class um really liked her and ended up going along as well because she was going she's like you've got to save me so yeah ended up being dragged along to this thing and for some reason, the camera ended up on me like every other shot of the audience. <laughs> and for some reason, this one episode I know has been aired at least half a dozen times. Because people are saying, oh, you were on TV. It's just like, no, I wasn't. <laughs> um, but yeah. I'm now you're going to try and find that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The first time it ever came on, because um, at the time I was working in a supermarket, and I'd popped in for some reason and all i heard from the other end of the aisle was you bastard you fucking bastard as i look around it's one of my colleagues just saying last week i was off ill thought i'd turn the tv on and whose ugly mug did i see on the tv (laughs) (laughs) taking the piss (laughs) 
<laughs> but, that's, uh, yeah. That's amazing. See, that's way better. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just sat in the audience and sort of smiled and just... Do you uh, say, Trisha, 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 like Jerry? Or then, no. like, do they, and they do baby daddy shows? I think um, it's really I think- I think they do do shows like that, but I don't think the audience cheered. We're British. We just sort of smile and clap. And <laughs> look shocked? Do you at least look shocked? Half the time I wasn't really listening to what was going on, to be honest. People said, oh, did you ask a question? It's just like, I was barely paying attention to what was being asked. I was See, too this busy. Is, this, is, this is probably the reason why the camera focused on you specifically. <laughs> they were more interested in your not caring than they were the show going on. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I just remember that. I was trying to figure out... On your I, was trying to, I was trying to figure out um, some code I was having to write for an assignment. So it's just like, okay, so if I do it like this, and I was trying to just work out in my head, so I just really wasn't paying attention at all. But I was I'll thinking about looked, my assignment. I'll bet it looked like you were really into it. <laughs> like, like you were really thinking about what was going on on that stage. <laughs> uh, possibly. But yeah, it's just the fact that sort of... Literally every other shot of the audience, there's just my face, and it's just like, uh, why? <laughs> That's amazing. So Anybody yeah, who- celebrities. Yeah, I don't know. People, people ask why? Why don't you get excited? Why don't you? Get, we, the, the truth is, we do. But the professionalism comes first. The squeeing comes after. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You swallow the speechlessness to ask a question, then you walk away and go. Hmm. Dog, have you got a question from the community that you'd like to ask next? Yeah, my next one comes up from Baba Hotep, and he says, "Are there any plans for Grand Adventure Zones anytime soon?" So I'm guessing something along the the lines of a new Romulus style um, investigate things and you know not so much high on combat but more on um, you know digging out mysteries and things um I'm not sure I know uh, we liked doing new Romulus but it's it's uh, quite a lot of time investment perhaps more than one might realize um Putting, making a, you would think that making a mission where you just have to uh, click on some things would be super simple, but actually I think fighting is quite simple, Um, which is I think why we'll do combat. I think it's just easier to be more diverse when you have uh, artificial intelligence involved, right? So you've got AI kind of making your guys run around and not every fight will be the same. But uh, I know we've talked about it in the past. I don't know of any uh, definite plans uh, in the near future, though. The things that I quite enjoyed about New Romulus and the Dyson Sphere as well is that there were some things that tied into the the reputation system. So when you reached the, the next level of it, you got a a little mini mission to do or you got to go to the research lab to 
chat with Mr. Exile. Yeah, that was pretty fun. I, I, um, I actually though, I, I, I would get you would get a mission, and then I would like forget when I got it, and I, and I, uh, and I'd be like confused about where what I'm like. How did I get this? Why can't I drop this? Where am I supposed to go? And I got really frustrated. <laughs> but I did, but it was like when I when it was working because it you know it would it would only happen if I had like stopped playing for a, a period of time and then come back right but it, it was really great you know like the discovery aspect of it I I'll, I'll agree that part was really fun okay okay I've been listening to this this other podcast called the Podquisition. And they have a Q&A session, and this this question reminded me of that, so I have to ask this. Okay. If you had to work for an alien starship captain, would you prefer one with a butt for a face, or a face for a butt? Ooh. <laughs> Either way, it's probably venting noxious gas. Um, so... So the guy with a face for a butt would have two faces? Possibly. Um, this one was actually from Johnny, Johnny Snowball from our Twitch chat, so... Oh, hey, yeah? <laughs> yes. Oh, t- awesome. Uh, yeah, Johnny. You might Johnny. be able to update us in a second. <laughs> Once the streams catch up. Yeah. Yeah. I like this question. <laughs> I do. I need to know, though. There's, there's just not enough information. You know, like, does he have? Does the guy with a butt for a face have two butts? Like from South Park. And when they talk, do they talk like this? Do they talk like Assy McGee? (laughs) Right. Or like, and the guy with a a face for a butt, like, is it fully functional? Does it have functioning eyes and nose attached? Right. (laughs) Right. Like, is this like a weird? Ooh, that I mean, that could look really neat as like an alien. Like it could like walk one way and then kind of flip around and walk another way. And like talk about having eyes in the back of your head. You have like a whole face on the back of your body. It'd be like cat dog in in uh, uh, bipedal form. Yeah. Johnny Snowball says face where the butt should be. But that's not answering. <laughs> I need to know where, what is where the face will be. Yeah, let our specifics catch up. <laughs> is the face like fully functioning? Are there eyes and a nose? And does that nose smell? Do that? Do those eyes see? Is but is the one, butt? Is the butt? Well, on how the does face? this? How does this person work? I mean, I must have a standing desk. Because I mean, are you sitting? I'm imagining not. You'd have to get one of those donut things, those little like inflatable donut cushions. The chair is a harness. <laughs> but one thing I do know is that um, Dax would be interested in him. <laughs> I just need to. Oh, there's there's another good question. When will we see Gallimites in the game? <laughs> outside of outside of the outside of the occasional visual glitch for Federation characters. I think. <laughs> I, I'm going to go back to this question and say I think um, I think I'd rather have a boss with a face for a butt because I think that's the funnier one because I'd have a harder time looking him in the eye. Which eyes? 
Look, if he's got a butt for a face. <laughs> I'm but the not- thing is, if that was the case for your boss, wouldn't you be worried he'd always be talking shit? Uh, you you know like come on i work in a game studio i'm pretty sure like we're experts in it right (laughs) what we do all day long is make up stories that aren't true and try and make them believable like that's what we do and i think that's just like talking smack Okay, so face for a butt. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Johnny, you you you, you still never you still never answered. Does the does the face on the butt is is that a functioning face? Like, does the mouth speak? Does does the nose smell? Are there actually eyes in the eye sockets and does it see? Because that <laughs> would be really dark, really smelly, and taste terrible while sitting. Mm. <laughs> so, so it would it would be a normal face just in the butt. Okay, that's that's horrifying. Well, but then there's the, the the problem is to me it seems like what you're suggesting is face for a butt and butt for a face are mutually exclusive. So it sounds like Mister Face for Butt has no butt. So, well, whatever. I mean, I don't know what his face would be look like. Ooh, I'm gonna picture that his face is gonna be kind of like a murdral from Wheel of Time. <laughs> That's it. Sorted. I would rather have the Murdral for the boss. Presuming that he wasn't also like kind of like a black wizard who would be connected to like this Dark Lord and was gonna like just kill me and anything and all that. There's just none of the magic parts of the Murdral. I don't know. There was that there was that really weird looking alien from TNG, the one where the Enterprise is doing war games and Riker's commanding the Hathaway. But the really uppity alien, he had kind of a butt face. Well, and then there's the Alachi. It's not quite a butt, but it's the it's the it's the opposite of a butt. Yeah. It's the it's the frontal version of a butt. I think it's the fanny. And the British people will understand that comment. Indeed. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, I know you've got to go shortly. I do. Have you got any questions for us that you'd like to ask? Um, okay. So... What are your thoughts? What are you most looking forward to with the um, the new show? Just being a new show, for one. <laughs> but no, um, I'm actually liking the fact that we're going to get a lot more diversity within the show. Um, it's something that Star Trek hasn't really touched upon. Um, it's all skirted around it a little bit. And I know due to sort of like ratings and networks that Gene Roddenberry, though he'd had talks with some of the crew about doing something that it just couldn't be done, especially after the interracial kiss didn't get aired on half the networks. So (laughs) I like the fact that society has sort of caught up a little bit more with the sort of 
diversity that Star Trek is supposed to represent that it can actually be on TV screens now. So I'm looking forward to seeing um, how that's dealt with properly within a Star Trek setting now. Mm-hmm. The one thing I'm looking forward to, I hope they haven't changed, because they said they changed the nacelles on what the little teaser uh, mm. uh, video we saw. Mm-hmm. Safety cages on the Bassard collectors. That was amazing. Mm. I loved that. I want to see those safety cages still on whatever nacelles they've changed them to. Mm-hmm. How about you, Stu Dog? Well, I'm certainly hoping that they'll visit a lot of the the members of the Federation that have been barely seen in the movies and the the TV show. Fair enough, Enterprise picked up on the Andorians quite a bit, but I'm hoping that they they explore what we already have rather than just going off and oh let, let's go and create more and more random new aliens to mm. add to the collection that uh, you know it kind of messes you up if you want to watch it in a, a sort of Star Trek timeline kind of order I suppose at least now the aliens that we got from Enterprise could be brought back because of course this will be after Enterprise so we can at least see established aliens from the Enterprise era, um, not just the original series that were already there. And then you can add in things that have been seen in the movies, like uh, I'm sure at, at one point it was Kirk's court-martial following the triumphant return with a, a couple of whales, that there oh, was like a, a bird-like vacations and a bird-like race and all that, which with uh, computer animation and new makeup techniques could be easily created. Mm. You know, you say that, I would like them to retcon this whole baloney storyline about why we have only aliens that are basically human and, like, just find real aliens that are, like, alien-looking. You know what that's I mean? Actually, yeah, that's what I actually liked about um, Stargate Universe was they wanted to make more alien aliens. Yeah. Um, so they tried a lot harder to make it that they weren't just completely humanoid. And yeah. you did see that. In, so we know for a TV show that it is possible. So yeah, that'd be nice to see that happen in Star Trek as well. Mm-hmm. What about you? What are you most looking forward to when it comes to the Star Trek Discovery? Uh, yeah, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say that mostly seriously because uh, I actually... <laughs> just, I'm a weirdo in all ways, I believe. But I, uh, I don't like trying to guess what will happen. I like the surprise, so I try not to look forward to anything because then I feel like, you know, it's, it's almost like you can't help but be disappointed if you do. You have no expectations, so you've got yeah. no expectations to be broken. Right, right. So in this, in the same sense, though, I am, I, I guess you could say I am looking forward to that they will, that they are investing in this um, 
in the universe again, and they're investing in the stories, and and that they're going to end up bringing new people to to the the IP, so to, so to speak. You know, I, um, so I actually I really do like that that aspect of it the best. That um, you know, like John Van Sitters, who is a he's our CBS rep and handles licensing and such. He uh, he he tweeted one day. I think because a lot of people were not huge fans of of uh, um, some of the beyond stuff that they had seen, uh, and he and he tweeted. He said, "My favorite track because I think that's what was going around." He said, "My favorite track is the one that brings new pe- new users, new watchers to to track." And I and I feel like yes, amen. That is, I agree. That's what I like about it is that it will bring more people to it and um, maybe make it feel more accessible. Yeah, because a lot of people have sort of always complained about sort of the Kelvin universe and what J.J. Abrams did with regards to the films about Mm -hmm. how they class that as not being Trek and all this stuff. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day one of the things JJ was given as a target was getting new and younger people into Star Trek, which he did. Oh, yeah. Because because of what he did, you've got a lot of people going back, watching all the stuff from, well, 50 years ago, and have really got into the other series because of it. People who wouldn't have watched it is... My wife is not a Trekkie, no matter how much I or my son try and get her to be. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But she doesn't tend to watch anything when it comes to the TV series that we've had. But she has actually watched all the new JJ films and she has really enjoyed them. Yeah. I I always think that, like, that's not Trek comments are are funny because it's like, well, which Trek? Because... You can't, I mean, Enterprise is not the next generation and Deep Space Nine and the next generation are no, they're not like the original series and and so on. It's like, you know, maybe, maybe it is Trek. It's just not the Trek that you're thinking of. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the thing. All of it is actually Star Trek. Just because it's not your type of Star Trek doesn't mean it's not somebody else's. Yeah. And it's a shame that so many people, it's just like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. That's JJ verse. It's just like, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and yeah, it's just like people who sort of go, oh, I'll never watch DS9. It's supposed to be about starships. Mm. And that's on a space station. It's just like, okay. <laughs> I hadn't heard that one. Yeah, I've had a couple of people say that before, and it's just like, okay. Mm. And then you've got people who don't like Voyager because you, they don't have lots of other sort of Federation starships in it. And it's just, mm. at the end of the day, they can't please everybody. And um, somebody, I think it was during the panel at Mission New York, um, actually said, look, the fans don't know what's best for Star Trek. Because um, <laughs> sort of people are sort of saying, oh, you shouldn't be able to do that. You can't do this. And it's just like, sorry. <laughs> fans don't really know what's best for Star Trek. <laughs> they should just <laughs> let the creative people be creative. <laughs> That's funny. So, 
And I, I thought that was brilliant because it's true. So people say, oh, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. And as soon as you say, okay, then what should they do and why would that be better? Half the time they just like shut down because they just <laughs> don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, it's actually pretty tough being creative. You know, um, creating something out of nothing. Yeah, because I suppose that's the same with you guys. Sort of, you can spend all this time creating content, and then as soon as released, everybody's played it within an hour, and they're already picking holes in it. Oh, well, that doesn't make sense because <laughs> you had this comment in this other mission. Or why would that happen? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's 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 a brilliant example, uh, and I mean it's. Oh. All of us do it, right? It's not like I, I would sit here and laugh and say, oh, shame on everyone. Because, of course, it's like I, I am still cheesed off about Bombadil not being in that movie um, because he was and it's still my favorite. So I won't accept that he was necessary to cut from that movie. He's the best. But, you know, so it goes. Mm-hmm. So, any other questions you have for us? I don't think so. Not this time. And, and it's it's sadly the hour is getting late, and I must must away to make food. Yeah, because it's what twenty past seven your time, isn't it? Correct. Uh, which would mean what? Like past two in the morning for you? It's twenty past three in the morning for three. me and Stu. Oh. But we've actually got a listener who stays with us in chat who's an hour ahead of us, so it's 20 past four for them. Oh. <laughs> Y'all need some sleep. Well, thank you once again for joining us and for taking up time at the end of a, another long week on a Friday, no less. Okay. So we do appreciate it. Oh, I'm always glad. You guys are fun to talk to. Uh, I'm glad you enjoy talking to us because uh, we do enjoy always having a good chat with you. Okay, great. Well, um, I shall go then. I hope you guys uh, have a wonderful uh, morning, I suppose, and evening. <laughs> Thank and you. Um, you know, I look forward to uh, listening to the uh, interviews that are upcoming. Ooh, spoilers. Yeah, we've got um, a few more lined up. Yeah, yep, yep. All right, talk to you guys right. later. Take care. Thanks again, All right. Maria. Good night. All right. Catch you Bye. later. Bye. Bye. Well, that was Steve Ricosa and Maria Rosso from Star Trek Online. So thank you again to the two of them for joining us. Um. We did get to most of the questions that were asked. Um, so hopefully the questions that you wanted asking, you got your answers for. Okay, Star Trek Online news. Um, as was sort of mentioned earlier, we've got a load of stuff out for the consoles. Um, you've got, at the moment, a 15% key sale. You've got 20% off costumes. You've got a Dilithium bonus weekend. You've got 20% off ships. So if you are a console player, um, this weekend is a weekend to actually be in game. So um, 
yeah, hopefully you've been able to make use of all those discounts. Now's a good time to start off that ship collection. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we have had some release notes for the console. There was a patch on the 13th. So that was, what, Tuesday, wasn't it? Um, so they resolved an issue that resulted in players getting sent back to the title screen. So for any console gamers out there who were having that problem, that should now be fixed. Um, we had some release notes for the PC as well. So that was on the usual patch day of Thursday the 15th. So those of you who've been having problems with DirectX 11 that was crashing the game, um, that should now be fixed. So, um, fingers crossed. Um, they've also been a load of, sort of content and system um, fixes. Um, was there anything that you guys saw in the patch notes were a sort of a biggie? There were patch notes? Like I said, this entire week seemed super slimmed down for like news and I'm like oh so we we're gonna have another kind of short show because there's not much news and then I clicked Xbox and went oh (laughs) yeah (laughs) there were patch notes for the PC so um yeah the link will be in our show notes they've resolved um as we said loads of little issues that hopefully been annoying people so um go take a look um, as I said, I didn't notice anything sort of groundbreaking in there. Um, known issues that they do have listed is the TOS Gorn outfit does not unlock once completing the episode Battle of Caleb 4. And there's no level up audio or FX for um, playing 23rd Century Captains. Um, those are the listed known issues at the moment. Um, there's a Junior Officer Weekend um, which will run until the 19th, which is Monday, isn't it? Yeah. So um, that's this weekend, so you can get to bonus commendation XP. That one. That's the bonus that you can get. Um, and I think you can reserve, uh, um, reserve, receive a free purple duty officer but usually if you've already claimed it before, you cannot claim it again. So that's usually the Exocomp, um, or it's a Riemann for KDF and Romulans. Now, I'll add to this by saying that the mission to receive these officers, you need to actually go and speak to the actual contact in person. It won't show up in your available mission list. So in the Klingon Academy, that is Mr. Stas, the big gorn inside the little building in the corner or Mr. Ferra at Starfleet Academy in the small round donut-like building and they will then send you to a captain who is just a couple of steps away from them and he will grant you the officer in question. So, uh, yeah, if you haven't done that already or you've got some characters that haven't, um, yeah, Make sure you're in game this weekend. Okay. I'm still we... waiting for the Romulan one to come out because that's still a mission that's in my inventory, and I will never drop that mission. 
<laughs> just I will take screenshot, and if they ever get rid of, I'm I will I'm logging into the game tomorrow morning, and I'm taking a screenshot of that that mission, just to have the screenshot of it and go, see, look, y'all even removed the mission, but I still have photographic evidence that this thing existed, and you had planned to put it in the game, and then you took it away. I said, it wasn't supposed to happen. Bullshit wouldn't have created it if it wasn't supposed to. Well, it's probably one of these things that they'd wanted to put in, but never got properly finished. Well, that's, see, that's, that, that, was the, that was the excuse when it first happened. A year later, it was, oh, the game design team never intended this to be a thing. Then why did it exist in the fucking first place? Well, uh, it seemed that most of the stuff for it was there, but the only thing that wasn't there was the captain that you had to go and see to reclaim it. Uh, I guess his name would have been a, a twist on Laroge or Rujal. Thing is, it may have not have been a planned thing, because as we've known from talking to the developers, that there's a lot of stuff that gets worked on in their own time. So it could be something that was worked on with the hope of being put out, and it was at merged in with the stuff for the Federation that had been planned for. So. It was it was supposed to be just a faction duty officer because, you know, the Romulans, along with, along with their f- chosen faction counterpart, have an entire buttload of their own faction duty officers. This, this made no difference. Having this this extra special duty officer being Romulan made no difference. The only thing is, yeah, sure, the Federations would have complained, and the Klingons might have complained. Uh, the Romulans are getting two special duty officers. So what? This is that's the problem. That's the, the inherent problem with people shoehorning in a faction into red v blue. Well, at the end of the day. They've said that it wasn't supposed to be there. It's been a while. It might not happen, but as with anything, you never know. Things can change. Never say never. Yep. One thing that was released today was a funky little map. I love this map. It's so cool. It's been called the Temporal Summary. So it's a nice little sort of, well, I'd call it an infographic almost. Um, It's basically a timeline map that's been produced that shows um, where the TV series are and where things are in Star Trek Online and even in the Kelvin films as well and where they sort of diverge and where the episode arcs sort of interact with the timelines and which episodes from the TV series um, relate to sort of specific parts of these timelines. So, um, yeah, I thought it was really, really nice. Um, so the link will be in our show notes if you haven't seen it. Um, I would say it's definitely worth a look, especially if you're going to create a new character and you'd like to re-watch some episodes before you actually get to some of this content as well. I think this would be very, very useful. Steve, I was going to say, do you think this is maybe something that one of the devs has just worked on in their spare time as well? Um, I don't know. Um, I wouldn't put it past them at all. Um, 
unfortunately the blog doesn't actually say who created it um but yeah it's definitely impressive i do wonder whether or not they did have something like this on like one of their whiteboards because sort of mapping out sort of episodes that people watch because we've seen photos of notes that they've got and stuff like that so yeah i do sort of wonder if they've just said someone's thought oh that'll actually be nice to put on there especially with sort of all the conventions people have sort of maybe been asking oh which episodes relate to these missions and so it's been oh well let's just stick it into something people can actually see so um but yeah if you haven't seen it definitely go have a look um and you can also download a high-res version as well so um that's at the bottom of the page so yeah watch watching the looking at the the map um um why isn't there a a a third divergent timeline where um where where the enterprise d encounters uh uh iconia because that technically has now never occurred in our version of star trek well, there could be lots of points along this map that you can say, well, that never happened, and where did this come in? There's only so much room, because it's already a very busy image. You start highlighting all these other little things as well. Uh, I think for the way that the storyline goes, it doesn't really... It's not some, a big sort of highlight in a way, I would say. So, yeah, yeah, I thought the timeline had been reset... Well, technically, even in the TV series, the amount of times things got reset, and even in-game, parts of it got reset and put back and changed, and you just end up with lots of squiggly lines doing infinite loops, almost. (laughs) See, that's the thing. You can't... At that point, though, you can't reset that timeline anymore. You can't reset that timeline. Even blowing up... Even blowing up the Anorax... Even blowing it up with with it being in the possession of Noi, you can't reset that timeline anymore. Why? Because the temporal shielding failed during that mission, and we fell into the parallel timeline as our proper timeline. Because the way that I thought it out in my head from Butterfly was that everything went back to the way it was, except the Jeterians were broken. No, see, see, you have to remember all of that stuff. All of that stuff was when we were doing that, like to quote, quote, save Romulus. All of that stuff happened, and Nog says specifically, find us a parallel timeline, as close a parallel timeline as possible, because at the end of it, yeah. We haven't reset our time. We haven't reset that particular timeline because the Tutarians are still gone. They don't exist in our universe anymore. They exist as part of a uh, separate subspace, which has been invading our timeline. Um, as I said, the amount of times the timelines get reset, which because technically with the multiverse. Every time something happens, a new one comes in. Which one are we ever in? Sort of one episode of the show could actually be in one and the other in another. 
you, you never really it's never really explored in Star Trek and it's never truly answered because a lot of what happens could literally just be undone saying well actually in this episode it went back and that's the timeline this one's based in so it could be retcon that way see but see that's the thing that the that one little dev blog where the temporal teacher literally goes, we've just we've just recently come to the realization that there's no one prime and proper timeline, kind of blows the whole we have to fix the timeline argument out of the water. Well, they're trying to fix the one that they acknowledge they are in, that they see they are in. But it doesn't matter. In. It doesn't matter because the moment you go back and change something, you've already created an entirely different timeline for that stream. But then that's the same with anything filter, to do with time travel. It, it doesn't filter It doesn't filter down all of Back to the Future style. At least it never has in track. Unless we're talking about Enterprise. Unless we're talking about Enterprise. Because that's the only time it ever happened. Remember, remember the whole, the whole Harry Kim thing with Timeless, completely different timeline. Well, no, that was a different phase. That wasn't timeline. But it was a different timeline because those events unfolded, and he went back and created an entirely new timeline. No, they were in two. The ship had phased into two different parts. It hadn't gone into a different timeline. No, 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 no. Timeless, the one where Voyager is stuck oh. in the snow planet. Yeah, no, I was thinking of the one where, um, in was it the first or second series? Yeah, I. Sorry, yeah, wrong episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, because that was a completely separate timeline. Harry Kim and Chakotay got home, they got promoted, they felt bad. They got depressed, they stole the Delta Flare, and they went to fix everything. But mm. they still existed in the timeline that they were in to the point of them being exploded by LaForge. But the thing is, although you've got, in a way, the multiverse which says that anything that can happen will happen, and that every time a decision's made, it sort of another reality is technically branched off and everything else. The way that Star Trek has been, it I know we do have sort of like the mirror universe and things like that. It doesn't always go fully into the multiverse in that way. So it's the way that time travel has usually been in Star Trek is that when you go and do something, that timeline is completely wiped out. But it was only in Enterprise where it became different. Now, with Star Trek Online, they have taken more, as I've seen it, to be how timelines were dealt with in all the previous series of Star Trek, rather than the way it was dealt with in Enterprise, where you see multiple timelines that can exist at the same time, more of the sort of the multiverse track. So... But yeah, we we saw the multiverse track in the next generation too. Parallels, all of the different wharfs and all of the different enterprises were different timelines. Thousands of them. And one of them were Rikers commanding a busted ass D because it's four. <laughs> yeah, but oof. as we said, we in sort of there are so many things that can happen, and yes, they as Sylv Maria mentioned. 
they do like to try and go back and to tidy things up, but it's not always possible. There are always going to be things left undone, unsaid, but yeah, you never know if it'll actually be fixed at I some mean, point. I, I mean, honestly, like the whole, <laughs> it really honestly felt like, like the, the whole Daniel's dragging Captain Archer was one huge nod to Back to the Future. That's how it felt. Because, yeah, it's a little bit of fan service, but none of that crap had ever happened in Star Trek before. Like, ever in the history of time travel. Did we see, like, history change because of going back in time and undoing a thing? But the thing is, is one thing that was never answered with Enterprise was whether or not with what happened there, whether it, those actions actually resulted into what we technically know as the prime timeline or whether that went into a different timeline altogether. But these are questions that will probably never be answered fully. <laughs> but um, it's a Temporal ongoing... headaches. Yeah. So at the this end of the day... This is why time a... travel is a seventh-dimensional problem. <laughs> people only have five or six that you work with knowingly. There's an entire seventh dimension that we don't really understand and or have may not have discovered yet. Now, Dudog, you've been inquiring about 3D ships. Yes, I went on to the page for now the, what, what is it called? U Euclid or is it Euclid 3D? I think it's um, Ucol 3D, that's how I would say it. Ucol 3D. So, I'd seen the question coming up quite a lot about pricing on these ships. So, I, I just decided to go off and actually send them a message myself. And I just said that I was interested in what the price range of the ships may be. And I did receive a very prompt response from them. But they said that they don't have the details of the pricing and availability as of yet but as soon as they're ready to launch the information will be provided and they say that if anyone wants to be notified ASAP that they've got a mailing list that you can join and they'll send you that information straight away and the link will be in our show notes and that's ukill3d.com forward slash pages forward slash Star Trek now one thing that I noticed in that response was um, the bit that says we haven't released the details yet of pricing and availability, but as soon as we are ready to launch in-game, we'll have this information available. Now, when Star Trek Online released this information, again, people were asking about pricing and availability which makes me wonder whether or not this would be something that would be added to the game itself. So on your ship, when you've got it, you could actually get Order 3D copy and the game would then send an order or something through some sort of C-Store or something where it's actually got all the information it needs of your ship. Yes, so it could have your... Let's say, for example, you've got a Borg set equipped and it's got all the little spiky Borg appendages and stuff on it. It can be claimed possibly through the sea store, uh, knowing that you have that item and that's what your ship looks like. Yeah, so I'm wondering if the fact that they have mentioned that means that 
because even if they made it that it went through to sort of the art games website in your area and it said confirm your order and it's actually got all your specs of what you have for your ship to make sure it's got everything on it and it's then got confirmed maybe size and things like that and then you go through and you actually pay for it that way so yeah i did think that little comment in your response that you received was very very interesting and cause I, I had to, I had actually wondered how will they do that because there are just so many options in Stowe that if you're sitting there trying to do it that you might miss something and then by the time you've got it well it's not like you can go oh can I get a refund I'd forgotten to select an option <laughs> they're going to go uh, yeah no <laughs> um, in saying that in theory that could be a good use for the gateway system if they added a couple of options into that possibly. I'm just, I'm sitting here. You guys are you guys are discussing pricing and 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 implementation and all this kind of crap. And I'm just sitting here thinking. He mentioned the assimilated Borg set, and now all I can picture is that evil bastard out there who has both the vengeance and the assimilated set on said vengeance, 3D printing their vengeance. As a foot-long 3D-printed model. Foot-long, bright pink and orange Vengeance with a Borg set on it. No, 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 no. Just the normal Vengeance colors with the assimilated greens and everything. Just that monstrous beast of an evil-looking thing. Because <laughs> you remembered that picture, right? That... I mean, even even with somebody taking a screen grab, like actually pulling out their phone and taking a picture of their computer screen, that thing looked gnarly as hell. It was evil incarnate. The thing looked like a Borg ship, just federationed. <laughs> All the curves and the angles, yeah, you could tell it was a federation ish ship. Then you throw all the Borg stuff on it from the assimilated set, and you're like, "Yeah, no, that looks like something the Borg would do to try and to try and invade Federation space." Sneakily, stealthily. So, um, you've also put in about some handy tips into the show notes. Yes, in the last week, I'd been made aware of some videos from Mr. Valakin on YouTube. Valakin is, I'm not sure which part of the DPS community he represents, but he's quite high on the DPS leagues anyway. But he's produced several tutorial-type videos for shipbuilding skill trees, and the one that was especially of interest to me was one on weapon types, where he goes into the pros and cons of weapon types, as well as all the modifier suffixes that come with them. And I felt that his videos were just very well made in that they got across some really complex and hard to understand mechanics. And he did so in a manner that was just really easy and simple to understand. And that's, that's the sort of thing that we need to see more of within the community is like, I don't pretend to know a lot about how all these things work. But after watching these videos, 
certainly no more than I did a week ago. He also does um, live Twitch streams as well, um, with different sort of playthroughs and stuff like that. Um, so I think a lot of them get uploaded to YouTube as well. So, um, yeah, definitely one to take a look at. I've okay. dropped the link into the Twitch feed. Thank you. And, of course, the link will be in our show notes. All right. Star Trek Timelines. Um, we've had a more fix to version 1.4. So version 1.4.1 is now live. Um, that got released on September 12th. Um, so that released a fix that affects the galaxy events. Um, so you'll need to upgrade before you're able to play, um, to play the next event, which um, is currently going on at the moment and over this weekend. So, um, yeah, if you haven't been in-game recently, um, make sure you head to your store to force an update if it hasn't told you there's one already. Um, they also released some new crew on the 16th of September. So you've got Eevee Suit Tucker, which is a super rare, and you've got a Gorn Captain from the original series, again, that's super rare. Um, when it comes to Star Trek news, um, we've got some information about the yearly awards from the Roddenberry Foundation. Yes, the Roddenberry Foundation was created in 2010 by Gene's son, Rod, and it was created in a response to a lot of the major issues that are facing humanity as a civilization. And it was basically as an attempt to better us as a species and help us to overcome all of the obstacles and difficulties that we are having due to the fact that humanity as a race is just on this one planet. At the moment, all of our eggs, so to speak, are in the one basket. So moving forward, he's created a prize it's divided into five prizes for people who can basically prove that they've got a brilliant idea that will help us. I mean, I'm guessing that if someone had a major solution to climate change or uh, towards the treatments of diseases and stuff, that these awards would be granted to people like them. So the the main prize is $400,000 and four additional prizes of 150000 each for sort of uh, lesser ideas. But Rod Roddenberry has stayed, stated that with the launch of the Roddenberry Prize, he hopes to heighten awareness of the critical needs that many face on the planet and unleash the imagination and drive of those inspired to do something about it. Now, they've said that you can submit your solution for a boldly better future. Um, applicants must be received by 23.59 Eastern Standard Time on November 16th, 2016. And they'll announce the five winners 
in January 2017. Wait, 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 wait. Is the deadline 2359 or 2016? 2359 is the time. Okay. Yes, on November 16th. Okay, okay. There's, it's just before midnight. On... I was making a date joke and nobody got it. Uh... Still don't get it. We got it. 2359. Deadline is 2359. Guys, you have a couple of hundred years to get your application submitted. <laughs> okay. Sybil <laughs> <laughs> says, got the joke, but it was really lame. <laughs> it was supposed to be lame. <laughs> So what do you guys think would be a a brilliant idea for the betterment of humanity, then? Oh, I don't know. How about going away for a couple of decades to uh, work on actual replicator technology using 3D printing? 3D printed food to stave off hum- uh, starvation in well, certain we've, areas. We've, we've got the basics of 3D printed food, but you still have to transport the shell packages for the printer itself i'm so i'm i'm of the i'm of the opinion of that's a great idea now go off for a couple of decades and uh you know study the technology that that what is it jpl is working on for for uh uh matter transference because JPL and a bunch of other science organizations are trying to trying and succeeding in moving atoms like teleporting atoms yes it moved uh, pieces of sand from one side of their lab to the other in a couple of decades guys that that technology can be applied to a 3d printer to to materialize you think of it this way instantly delivered pizza like it comes out of the oven it goes into a transporter and comes to your house instantly well for me i would say clean energy and fuel that would be something that would really help the planet i don't well there's already a lot of that there's already a lot of that the problem isn't that, that 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 technology doesn't exist it's that the local governments don't wish to apply it in abundance. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we have at this point, we literally have the technology for solar freaking roadways, solar freaking roadways. But a, a government doesn't want to invest that money in removing and replacing that kind of an infrastructure, even though. It would be for the entire betterment of an entire country. But yeah, being yes, um, able to get the technologies out without maybe government funding would be good. Yes, I was about to say that that a lot of the ideas for public transport, like uh, there's hydrogen-powered buses in Aberdeen, but there's not many of them because they're stupidly expensive to make. Because it's not seen as a profitable business adventure. Therefore, the prices are sky high to gather all the materials to make the thing work. Yeah. 
when it's when it's when it's seen as something that can be made in profit, whether for government or private corporation, people will find ways to make all that stuff cheaper. Well, I'm sure we will find out um, some of these ideas that have been put yes. forward. And we can uh, I'll certainly them. try and follow this with a lot of interest, and I'll try and give updates as and when I can. I can get them to to keep yeah, us updated on what's what's going on on it. Yeah, that'd be really good. Okay, on to any other business. Um, man from Stoked Radio. Um, he's still got his GoFundMe for his recovery, but he's now got a new GoFundMe. Um, unfortunately, things have gotten worse for him with regards to his health and now housing. Um, he's been given a final eviction notice. Um, he is aiming to relocate in order to get a new job and to try and get himself back on track. Um, but in order to do that, he needs help. He's looking to get um, $1,500 in order to move. And yeah, he needs help. So far, $723 has actually been raised. So it's nearly halfway, but he does need some help. Um, if you go to gofundme.com forward slash and then 2MQU5HO. Um, as far as I'm aware, there is no friendly URL for this at the moment. That's the link will be in our show notes. So, um, yeah, he's hopefully going to move to um, a friend's house in Oregon um, where he's got a job transfer that's currently available to him. So, hopefully, he'll then have the support of his friend and a job to sort of help get his life back on track. So, um, yeah, if you are able to help, um, please do so. And um, as I said, the links will be in our show notes. Um, just a reminder, of course, that um, The Outer Rim, previously known as Star Trek Anthology, are currently still looking for help so you can go to thunderclap.it and do a search for what lies at the outer rim so um, they're still looking to do their anthology um, even after the fan film guidelines put a stop to Star Trek anthology as it stood did, 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 okay uh, sorry for backing up the conversation but did we talk about discovery not yet okay are we waiting to talk about that gonna do that next okay we're just like okay we're covering the star trek stuff now we're covering stuff other than like wait what (laughs) yep no i thought i'd get the um, other announcements done first get the heavy stuff out of the way yeah no um but yes um, now on to TV news. Um, Star Trek Discovery announcement has been made that it will no longer be released in January 2017. Which it is expected. Now... Yep, it will now be in May. So, basically, the announcement was that they're having a look at what's to be done and could see that 
there just isn't the time available to do a proper job. They still don't even have a cast yet for all intents and purposes. Yeah. There's no way in this short amount of time they're going to cobble a cast together and get them to perform in any functional way. You've also got the time it takes to do all the CG. Um, Though, um, what they said, um, the quote is, Bringing Star Trek back to television carries a responsibility and mission to connect fans and newcomers alike to the series that has fed our imagination since childhood. And that came from executive producers Alex Kurtzman and Brian Fuller. Um, They said, we aim to dream big and deliver. And that means making sure the demands of physical and post-production for a show that takes place entirely in space and the need to meet an air date don't result in compromised quality. Before heading into production, we evaluated these realities with our partners at CBS, and they agreed. Star Trek deserves the very best, and these extra few months will help us achieve a vision we can be proud of. So, yes, it's disappointing, but personally, I would much rather them push it back and to deliver a good show, because... As they say, first impressions count, and since J.J. Abrams, as we mentioned earlier on in the show, has brought in new people to Star Trek, there are going to be a lot of people who may not have even seen what has come before, and maybe looking to see what this new series is about. And, well, if it looks like it's something that came out of the 80s and was the first season of TNG... They may not stay around to watch anymore. So, yeah, I think it's good that they've said, look, realistically, we're not going to get it done in time and put it back. What do you guys think about the announcement? I think that pushing it back is a good idea. You want to have a good quality product and there is a lot of weight on your shoulders to do that. But the thing is, from my point of view... It's been so long since we've last had any Star Trek content that, uh, you know, even pushing it back another year, that's 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 literally nothing compared to how long it's been since Enterprise was about. So, you know, do it good and do it right. Honestly, yeah. honestly, uh, all I can think of is all I can think of is something Matt Smith would say as the Doctor. I like safety cages now. Safety cages are cool. <laughs> That's that, that, that is real. Uh, out of everything that could possibly be out of Discovery, that's the one thing I want to see. Because I saw it, and it was awesome. Now, Star Trek Discovery is due to hit CBS All Access in May, and will then be the premiere will actually be on CBS TV. Um, on the cable and it'll also be on Netflix in 188 countries the day after and it'll be on Bell Media in Canada now one of the things that Sybil has said in chat is I will not subscribe to CBS online until I get a hard date for Star Trek and watch the first episode until then I'll watch reruns of Transparent Um, 
Alex Wonder has said Kerman wouldn't know quality if it bit him in the nose. So, um, yeah, I'm not quite sure why. I have enjoyed other things that uh, Kerman has produced. Um, I've been a fan of Hawaii Five-O, Sleepy Hollow, um, those ones which I know are recent things that he's been involved in, um, I've always enjoyed, as well as um, going back several years now, um, Fringe as well, sort of. And I think he also helped with Alias as well, because uh, um, I always enjoyed that one. But, uh, I think that was the only one that I know out of the list of shows you just listed there. Loved Alias, it's brilliant. Yeah, just looking him up on IMDb. Oh, he was part of uh, Limitless as well. I enjoyed that show. Um, that was really good. So, um, yeah, he's been part of that, that I've watched. So, yeah, as well as sort of Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness, which, as I've said before, I've thought they were fun films. Um, although, yes, there are things that are wrong with them, but I can say that about every TV program and film. You can always pick something apart with them. Um, oh, Alex has replied... Um, see, this product should have hit this year. Delaying it even further is an non-issue at this point. Kerman, Orsi, Lindoff, Abrams, all these people are in some capacity responsible for the JJ-verse, and sure, it looks flashy, but the story is just so aggravating. Well, actually, it wouldn't have hit this year. Um, it was always going to be 2017 because of the contract between Paramount and CBS. So... Um, yeah, 2017. Paramount, Paramount Hogs defendeth, and then CBS can release a new show the next year. No matter what happens, CBS had to wait six months after the film, and of course Paramount scheduled it um, for a summer showing, which meant that any release for CBS would have had to have been 2017. So, um, yeah, that was known years ago when they started planning um, Beyond um, Alex said, I said it should have hit this year yeah it would have been nice for it but technically it's still hitting within the 50th anniversary because if the anniversary technically starts in September um, it's still the 50th so but um, yeah Sort of, I know sort of a lot of people think that it looks flashy, but the story isn't as good for the Star Trek stuff. But as I mentioned earlier, it's brought a lot of people into Star Trek and even to some extent my wife who, well, she's like a lot of people these days. She's not into these sort of TV series with sort of these involved and sort of deep storylines she likes the flashy she likes the just the action um to her the 2009 film was actually better than um beyond because yeah she didn't find it as exciting as the 2009 film but everybody has their own tastes so just because we don't always think that it's very Star Trek. Doesn't mean that other people find that sort of entertainment enjoyable. And we know a lot of people have and do. But uh, yeah, when it comes to Discovery, we will, of course, find out how much of the flashy will be continued in 
to the show um, from that we've seen in maybe the sort of JJ person sort of as Alex said Kurtman and that have been involved in the Kelvin timeline so it'll be interesting to see what direction they take it come May but uh, yeah I must admit it wasn't unexpected um, especially as sort of as Sun said they haven't got a cast together and they're still working on the stage and yeah it it was something that to be honest i did think would happen i must admit i didn't think it would be as many months late i thought maybe one or two um but the fact that they put it back four um but no i think they're doing the right thing i guess uh the four months gives them that time to roll out that other show that they'd mentioned as well was it like Desperate Housewives, the drama. Uh, was it The Good Wife or something like that? I honestly can't remember. Okay, time for feedback. Last oh, week. Oh, God. Last week we had asked about Are You Burnt Out with Star Trek Online and or Timelines? If so, what caused it and how would you resolve it? And we also asked, did you do anything for the 50th anniversary of Star Trek? So, from the Stowe Forums, we had Chozo Elder Second, who says, I remember back in the day, I grinded the Ground Borg STFs on Elite, and that's the old Elite that's now called Advanced. So many times trying to get the drop so I could unlock the Mako and Honor Guard outfits. It must have taken me somewhere near 150 runs to unlock Mako for my main. Yeah, this was this is back before the implementation of the, uh, the the reputation system. So this is back when it was all drop tokens at the end of the mission. Oh yes, I was so and glad when they put they it were into the all reputation random, stores. Right? And you needed to get different oh yeah, oh yeah. There was the, the RNG was strong with those cues. And I don't believe in RNGs, so... That's when I first started playing. I remember going to DS9 and getting a, a free Borg set from the little office there. No. I was lucky. I was lucky. Extremely, extremely lucky. I got all three Mark 12 pieces from doing the space set before they changed the reputation system, and I'd probably only been playing the game for a couple of months. Um. Yeah, I was lucky to some extent, but then it stopped happening. <laughs> the last couple of bits, just the amount of times used to run it. But uh, yeah, never mind. I'm glad they've changed it anyway. Okay, so back to what Chozo Elder had been saying. Um, that was the only ever time I experienced any kind of burnout in Stowe. But I never really stopped playing the game. However, I do remember taking a long break from the game somewhere around the launch of the command ships. It wasn't because of burnout, though. It was because it was rough trying to make time for the game. I eventually came back to Stowe once I was able to because I have lots of fun with it. Um, I continue to play Stowe and don't see myself burning out anytime soon. Speaking as someone who doesn't own an absurd amount of characters, I completely agree with Midnight. There's just so much to do, even with only my six characters. I still haven't got round to playing some Foundry missions that a friend of mine recommended to me, and that's only a small portion of the many things on the to-do list. 
with regards to the 50th anniversary, Chozo Elder says, I'm still continuing DS9 for the first time. The episode I started on September 8th was the first in Series 3, The Search Part 1. It was the debut, debut of The Defiant. I got a little giddy about the fortunate um, coincidence of seeing the first appearance of The Defiant on the 50th. My dad has taken notice of me watching Deep Space Nine and told me that I should not start my daily episodes without him because he wants to join in as well. At that point, I felt a little bad about not even bothering to ask him. But it's okay because we started from the beginning. Watching it with him has made it much more enjoyable. I relate to Jake and Cisco's relationship and the ongoing trouble of having to accept a new home. I also see a lot of my dad in Cisco. Many laughs continue to be shared. The show is quickly becoming a favourite of mine. Who knows, by the time I finish the show, it might even take TNG's spot as my favourite. His elder then says, you kind of forgot to put up Stu Dog's question. Um, if you were to spend any sum of money per month on a game, what would be your cap? How much would you be willing to pay for either Stow or Timelines? His elder says, I think my cap would be eight US dollars. I would not commit to paying two sub fees whose sum would be greater than eight dollars. Although the harder part is actually convincing me to commit to a game. Then his general feedback, his um, elder says, son, I'm disappointed in you. You don't know about Punch Out. I'm revoking your Nintendo card. Now okay. Into some I, I, okay. One, I have slept since last week. So I may have missed a Punch Out reference. Or may have misunderstood the context in which it was in. Which it was in. But I know what Punch Out is. Just give me your light gun, because I prefer Duck Hunt. <laughs> I remember Duck Hunt. Yes, I remember Duck Hunt as well. <laughs> I remember um, when we first got the Nintendo at home. My mum kept saying, I don't understand why you guys spend so much time playing this game. Aren't you bored of it yet? And then I remember one night she'd had some friends round. And they decided they they were a bit drunk and they decided they would actually play Nintendo. And they ended up spending until the extremely early hours of the morning playing Duck Hunt. And it's just like, come down. So what were you saying about why we play so much on there? It's like, shut up. <laughs> anyway, yeah. his elder then goes now onto some criticism. Done. Well, it's been years, so screw you if you're worried about spoilers. Well, that's a little much. See the uh, uh, see the previous paragraph uttered by Midnight in this earlier in this episode. Remember how I said that I started watching Deep Space Nine for the first time not too long ago? I was really young at the time, so it's not like I could sit down and appreciate it fully. It was the same with the next generation for me. I would hate if you guys happened to bring up more Deep Space Nine spoilers without giving me a warning first. While Stowe already spoils a lot of stuff in Deep Space Nine, it's not like it spoils everything. If someone told me the outcome of some episode, let's say Heart of Stone, I would have been incredibly disappointed. First Deep Space Nine re 
one that I heard from you guys was a huge major spoiler with absolutely zero amount of warning and it bothered me quite a lot. I didn't want to bring it up the first time it happened, but now I feel like I'm obliged to put it out there after hearing your opinion. Just because it's been years since something came out doesn't mean that it's okay to spit out spoilers like it's nothing, especially major ones. It doesn't mean that it's not new to somebody. The reasoning is beyond me. It's not like my dad spoiled parts of The Next Generation before I watched it for the first time and said, sucks to be part of New Generation, you, shouldn't, you should have been born sooner. That first Deep Space Nine spoiler was really upsetting. It was an enormous nuke you guys dropped for me and Midnight said it like it was nothing. If you don't know which one I'm talking about, it wasn't from the last episode. I forget which one it was. It was one of the previous ones where you're reading listener feedback. It was about what happens to a certain officer that isn't human, who I will not name. I want to make it clear that everyone should feel free to talk about spoilers. I just want a warning that I can take my headphones off or mute the podcast for a couple of minutes. That's all I'm asking for. Something like, oh, by the way, spoilers about X or Y if you care about it. The guys in the only other podcast I listen to do this, and I'm grateful for it. I get that this is a Star Trek podcast. Maybe you're expecting every listener to know every single thing about Trek. But the possibility that there might be people who don't know everything and who haven't watched everything, it shouldn't be surprising. It also shouldn't be surprising to see a new generation of people that want to be invested in Trek that want fans to, of the franchise, that want to be Trekkies. Of course, you still have the right to refuse my request for spoiler warnings. I'm not the only one running the podcast. Sorry, I'm not the one running the podcast. Shouts out to Stu Dog for being the only one who worried. So, the problem with Star Trek is, yes, you're right. There is an awful lot of episodes, and it could be ruined at any time. But then... That could be the same with any discussion that we have at any point. And if we shouted out every time there might be some sort of spoiler, we would literally be saying it every time we referenced anything in Trek. It's difficult. Do you really want to listen to, oh, spoiler if you haven't seen this every single time we started trying to get into a discussion. It can be very distracting when you're trying to get to a point and you're discussing lots of things over lots of series like we do because this is more of a discussion-based podcast. Do you know rather- how many times spoiler warning would have come up just in us discussing time travel? Yeah. <laughs> to keep saying that for each individual bit... I think would be more annoying and distracting than anything. Unfortunately, there is no way around it. It's like when you just talk about old films with friends. You never really know if anyone has seen it. Um, But the thing is, you can't just say, oh, spoiler warning, because, yeah, it just takes it out of the moment. Yes, there are things which, if it is pretty new, we will specifically say spoiler warnings, but... We will try, but it's not always going to be the case. So, yes, this stuff has been out for decades, and I know where you're coming from. It's only this year that I finally got to watch 
all of the original series. I've actually watched the animated series, but I wasn't going to get annoyed with people who talked about those series or with the developers for doing stuff related to those series just because I hadn't had a chance to watch it because they had been out and you go to even other podcasts and discussions people usually say look if it's been out a month you can talk about spoilers sort of thing um yeah it's a difficult one because you never do know how much people have said but we can't keep stopping and well you've heard our discussions we could say oh don't listen for a couple of minutes but then we could continue on with that discussion for another half an hour so you could still end up hearing something because of the way that we are there's just no way to know and it's not like there's anything in media players that say okay to skip this part do this and to go to that thing there's just no way to be able to do that so there's your do- Roddenberry tech an audio player that actually does that <laughs> <laughs> so as I said I do appreciate where you're coming from but I think it would be very hard and especially as as I said it's a discussion we're just sort of going back and forth about all these different things and even for some of us we haven't all watched everything a lot of times there are a lot of episodes where it's literally just been watched or has been watched so long ago it it's barely rememberable at all um but yeah as I said it's a difficult one Yes, um, especially that we have almost encyclopedic knowledge of Star Trek and, you know, talking about it's something that we've known about for potentially 25 years that we could talk about and not realize that, oh, uh, someone doesn't know this yet. And... We can't just like keep second guessing ourselves all the time like that. Yeah, but um, as I said, we do appreciate what you're saying, and um, but yeah, it's it is a difficult one. Um, yeah, I do know that we're getting some feedback in chat right now, and um, I shall look through that in a moment. Um, Alex Wonder um, answered the questions, and with regards to burnout, says. Hmm. Why don't you tell me whether I'm burnt out with Stowe? Here are a few clues. I got all the items necessary to finish all reputations on my temporal agent. In fact, I've only got about a week of daily reputation projects left to unlock the temporal reputation reward thingy. I cannot be bothered to log into the game to claim finished projects to start new ones. Shrug. What caused it? I'm not sure. I mean, Legacy of Romulus had so much more content, albeit only for the Romulans. Enjoyable content, if I might add. Delta Rising had more content, even if you ignore the issues with the levelling curve and the inclusion of the patrol mission wrappers into the storyline. And some of it was still enjoyable. I just lost where I was. Okay, Agents of Yesterday was just so... What's the nicest way to put it? Lackluster. Wait... I may not burn I may not be burnt out with Stowe. I may be burnt out with Star Trek. I mean the whole 50th anniversary is just so meh. Where's a new show? 
next year. It's going to be another prequel. What about a movie? Nope, they're still clinging to JJ Trek. What about a good Star Trek game? I mean, it's rather telling that a shooter that was published almost 16 years ago is still considered to be one of the better Star Trek games. What in the what? Take that, add the whole bleep that Cryptic put into Stowe, and the fact that CBS allowed them to do so. Stir it, turn down the heat and let it simmer for a few hours. Add some salt, stir again, and you got yourself a really disappointing meal. How to resolve it? Give me some good, decent, passable content. Passable content. Give me something that excites, speaks to, does not utterly disappoint me. And I'm still not playing timelines. With regards to the 50th anniversary, Alex says, Just like the people behind Star Trek, I could not be bothered to do anything big. I only managed to log into Stowe to claim the giveaway pack. Shrugs, I just hope DS9's anniversary is going to be better. Feedback. Remember how I mentioned the World of Warcraft companion app last week and how the perfect world couldn't even be bothered to put the DOF system or anything worthwhile for that matter into the Stowe Gateway? Well, let's just... They just announced that they're going to shut down the gateway for Neverwinter. That's just precious. And since we're talking about Neverwinter, part of the reason Stowe made the jump to consoles was the success Neverwinter had. Let's take a look at the numbers they just published. Neverwinter claims to have a total of 12 million registered accounts. 2 million on PlayStation 4. This is two months after their PS4 launch. 3 million on Xbox One. And 7 million on PC. The last number we got from Stowe was the 5th anniversary infographic that boasted 2.5 million accounts. No matter whether or not we get a new infographic for Stowe's 7th anniversary, either way it's going to be rather telling. Oh, and since we're talking about consoles, let's ignore the Xbox Live subscription issues and talk about the game. Did Cryptic use the time to polish it and make it sure that it would make a big splash? Apparently not, because I watched two or three reviews, impressions of the console version, and sure, the respective reviewers seemed to enjoy the little bit of content they played. Of course, they are still, there are still glitches showing up in those videos. And according to the Stowe subreddit, there are apparently even a few show-stopping bugs later on. You remember how I raged against the story? Mostly the Iconian temporal arcs, because no NPC ever seems to learn anything. I feel like there might be some sort of hidden pattern. I can't disagree. Honestly, I cannot disagree. With just how much, how much the launch just kind of blew up in Cryptic's face. And, and even though it, it was no fault of their own, just the fact that, I mean, I swear... It goes it goes live on Xbox, but under Xbox terms, you have to have a, a gold subscription. And on 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 Sony's PlayStation, it goes live, and then the entire network goes down for maintenance for hours. This, I mean, Cryptic has never been good at planning, and just just the launch of the console is is you have to laugh because otherwise you would cry 
because that's pretty sad. That's pretty sad. And but things like that are out of their control. I understand that. I understand. And and like like I said, but that comes from a pattern of that crap happening over and over and over again. You know, we we have a launch and the servers are down for days and there are lines to get into the game because nobody thought we need more server space because we're launching new content or you or you get this or you get this new piece of content or this new piece of kit and you use it and it's broke as hell because nobody thought you know hey i wonder if i go and run this i wonder if i go and run this thing that's not technically considered any sort of weapon type in a Borg mission and all of a sudden I'm beating the Borg to death because it's an electric weapon, not any sort of energy type. You know, it's... It's both the big and little things that just make you go... That... You're you're failing on so many fronts. I mean, if, if you... If you want to encourage a whole bunch of people to play your game you better make damn well sure that the thing you're introducing them to like the tutorials and the starting missions don't have any of these glitches or bugs like if you're starting a klingon character you better sure as hell make sure those brazers and chronos are fixed which is why they got fixed well just to make it clear to people who don't know um with the consoles they are actually run off Sony's and Microsoft servers, so Cryptic and Perfect World have nothing to do with times of maintenance and downtime with things like that, or the resources associated with them. And when it comes to QA of things, um, these games, of course, do go through a QA for both Sony and Microsoft, so any glitches in them also didn't get caught by their teams either. Though, things do happen and get past um, sort of the testing phase. It's the same with any software. Um, in chat, um, as I said, we have had some comments. Um, Sybil has said, right now I'm finding World of Warcraft far more compelling. I still play Star Trek Online at least once a day. Um, once a day a week, though. At least one day a week, sorry. Um, Alex said, I never did that gear grind because I know the... That's just moved up. I know the treadmill from World of Warcraft. I'm not doing that stuff anymore. Um, Sybil replied to Alex saying, I play through new releases at least once. What I did notice is that the gear grind is remarkably fast and easy. Um, Alex said, this is a Star Trek podcast, so this is going on about the spoilers. Um, this is a Star Trek podcast. If we talk about stuff, people will just mention things casually, like when you had Dave Rossi and mentioned how his daughter liked Tasha, and everyone kind of laughed and mentioned Game of Thrones. That was so implicit that it almost got explicit. Um, Sybil has replied saying Tribble's main audience are quite versed in the Trek universe. Alex also replied saying that's almost like complaining about someone spoiling Empire Strikes Back. It'll happen on a Star Wars podcast. Someone will just casually mention it without realizing it. And Sybil's also mentioned 
I remember on another podcast talking about the movie Lincoln, um, complained talking about Lincoln's assassination was a spoiler. <laughs> so, um, going to Facebook feedback, we had Fred Ortiz who replied um, regarding the burnout. Says, not really, with the number of times I've played through the game from start to finish. The problem is how many missions are duplicated across the three factions. Because that can be a bit annoying to get through. With regards to the 50th anniversary, um, Fred says, Well, since you asked, last week was officially Star Trek week on my YouTube channel. With a review of Star Trek The Next Generation number 37. Posting of Let's Play videos of the 23rd century missions pulled out some old Star Trek toys from the vault and did a mini retrospective on the first episode of Star Trek The Man Trap. Uh, earlier on during the show, I noticed some tweets coming in from Hippie John, who had joined us in the chat. Said, wow, Tribbles in XC podcast interviews can be tough to listen to. Most of the hosts act like hosts and ask actual interview questions. But there is one, and certainly the loudest, who uses interviews as a platform to push their ideas and thoughts at the developers. Talks over them, interrupts them, and generally comes off as pretty rude. And loud. Did I mention loud? Well, thank you, That's no way to complain about midnight. (laughs) (laughs) Or me. Um, Haven't you heard that I've just, like, managed to get them to axe all the PBE cues? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not just the cues you did the other thing too the the what was the other thing real real time travel real travel times oh my god <laughs> you have ruined star trek online Stu dog i didn't say that you got <laughs> they, 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 now they're getting rid of the cues and they're going to make it days for us to even get from earth to Vulcan! I feel like I'm being bullied here. First of all, Midnight doesn't put my question into things, and then I'm being accused of uh, deleting the game. Well, you've only got your fault to bl- yourself to blame for the question, because you didn't actually put it into the little box in the show notes. <laughs> Pass the buck. <laughs> you just published it! You didn't even say, hey, I'm going to publish this. <laughs> And, um, yeah, Alex said in chat, whenever World of Warcraft launched a new expansion, how often did the login servers go down? Legion seems to have had one of the smoothest launches ever. But, to be honest, Warlords of Drenora? Drenora? Hemorrhage subscribers like crazy. And I can't, I can't, I can't fault people for, for, <laughs> I can't fault people for subscribing and then desubscribing when they can't get into the game, because I, <laughs> you paid to play a game and you can't play it. What's the point in paying to play the game? Okay. Well, that's all the feedback that we've had this week. So thank you everybody for sending in all your comments. Always appreciate it. Okay. Easy questions for this week. Um, I haven't had a chance to think of any. Have you guys got any? Yeah, my one will be about the Roddenberry Awards. Uh, dear listener, what do you think would be the best device 
object, item, or project that you could use to better humanity as a whole in in any direction, uh, be it health, energy, environment, etc., etc. That's a good one. Okay. Well, that's it for this week. Um, if you'd like to join our Tribbles fleets, Federation is Tribbles in XC Sci Fleet, and KDF is Targs in Ecstasy, and in Star Trek Timelines is just Tribbles in Ecstasy. You can catch us in syndication on trekradio.net and subspace-radio.net, and that's every Wednesday. You can also get us on iTunes and Google Play, and please feel free to leave feedback and reviews on there as well. You can also catch us on Twitter at Tribbles and XTC. Same with Facebook, Star Trek Riser, Player.me, and you can also find us on Google+. You can also email us at hosts at tribblesandecstasy.com, and you can also leave us a message um, through SpeakPipe, either using the widget on our page or by going to speakpipe.com forward slash tribblesandecstasy. So, until next week... Goodbye, everyone. Farewell, everybody. See y'all later. satellite radio for our remastered shows and more you can follow us on twitter at tribbles in xtc or if you have any questions or comments please send an email to tribbles in ecstasy at gmail.com join us next week for another episode of tribbles in ecstasy the only place where tribbles and klingons are friends